This is Jocko Podcast number 402 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. My, my son went to a wrestling camp when he was younger. And not just any wrestling camp, a wrestling camp known as the J-Rob Intensive Wrestling Camp. And these are camps that were started in 1978 by National Hall of Fame wrestler Jay Robinson. And Jay Robinson competed in the 1970-1971 World Wrestling Championships. He placed fourth and fifth. He competed in the 1972 Olympics. He was a three-time NCAA champion head coach at the University of Minnesota, where they also won Big Ten, Big Ten titles. And he coached 14 individual national champions. So very distinguished as a wrestler and as a coach. And he also had served in the military. He was in the Vietnam War. He was an airborne ranger in the army. And that service clearly had an influence on J-Rob, his attitude and his camps. And I recognized that when my son went to his camp, they're taught something called the J-7. The J-7. The J-7 are these what they say, the necessary fundamentals to build a fulfilling and successful life. And I think you'll see that these things will obviously help person build a good life, but also turn them into a damn good wrestler. Here's the, here's the J7, the seven fundamentals. Number one, discipline. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. Number two, dedication. Your ability to commit day after day. Sacrifice. Number three, You have to give up something to get something. Number four, hard work. You can outwork 90% of all Americans. Number five, responsibility. You are in charge of the decisions you make, who you are, and what you do. Number six, accountability. You must own the decisions you make that affect your life. And number seven, service. Give back to your community and make a difference. So these things are all, well, they're all simple, straightforward things that we've all heard before. They're not easy for sure. They're all obviously things that I talk about a lot, but that camp and wrestling as a whole left a huge mark on, on my son and my daughters as well. And it's been awesome to watch wrestling. We've seen the rise of wrestlers in MMA and in the UFC huge list of i i mean mark coleman mark kerr tito ortiz randy couture kevin randleman kane velasquez dominic cruz brock lesnar weedman rashad john jones rampage henry cejudo right there's been some there's been some just epic wrestlers in the sport coming up and right now what's neat if you're paying attention to this sport of the ufc There's another generation coming into the sport right now. Another generation of American wrestlers. The next generation. And at the head of the pack, the shining example of that next generation is a fighter and a wrestler named Bo Nickel. Bo's a four-time All-American, three-time national champion who was 135-5 in his college career, 61-0 in his last two seasons, 
and after competing in freestyle wrestling, he made the transition to MMA, where he's now 5-0, and all first-round stoppages, four of those to five in the first minute. Uh, a beast on the mat, a beast in the cage, but also an exemplary human being, and everybody says great teammate, son, husband, soon-to-be father, and it's an honor to have him here with us tonight to talk about his life, his experiences, and his lessons learned. Bo Nickel, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. We're up here at Origin Jiu-Jitsu Camp, by the way. So we're a couple hours from getting a seminar from you on some, I'm assuming we're going to do some takedowns. Well, I was thinking, we were talking earlier, I was going to show guard, you know, pull, pull guard, guard retention, maybe. So. <laughs> well, you already, how many submissions? You have You have at least one triangle, I, have, I remember. Yeah, I did a, yeah, triangle, arm triangle, rear naked choke. I have a few submissions. But that triangle's from your back. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. mean, you kind of transitioned. Yeah, yeah. I started in mount, but I like I like the triangle. I don't like to throw it from guard, but I'll, I'll start from mount and then, and then basically go to my back from there, but... Once I lock it up, I feel comfy. <laughs> That's got to be um, very interesting for in your brain, for you rewiring your brain for that kind of stuff. Can you even rewire your brain? So I think with my wrestling style, I was really never afraid to go to my back, like kind of high risk, high reward, go to my back to, you know, flip somebody or do, do something like that. So the jujitsu portion of it, it doesn't really freak me out a lot. Mm-hmm. I think most wrestlers kind of maybe panic or this and that, but I mean... <laughs> It doesn't really feel that weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like. I love it though. I wish I did jujitsu my entire life, but even better, I get to start when I'm 27. Yeah, you're catching up quick. Yeah. Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Let's go through kind of where you came from, how you got here today. So, you're born in Colorado. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Right in Colorado. And how long did you live there for? So I lived in Colorado for the first you know, four or five years of my life. Um, do you remember it at all? Yeah. Or anything? Oh, you do? Yeah. So that's where my parents met. My mom's originally from Colorado. My dad's from Wyoming. And my dad's first job was as a wrestling coach and a football coach at, a, at her old high school. Check. Yeah. And so she was coming back um, from, she w- so he was right out of college. She was still in college and she was coming back in the summer to like help out the basketball team and stuff. And they just kind of, they, they met and basically got set up by the principal at the school and uh, obviously got along well and stuff. And that's where I was born. And so what was your dad's wrestling career? So it actually goes back a little further than that. So my grandpa wrestled um, his whole life, wrestled in college, was a wrestling coach. And then my dad wrestled his whole life and played football. And then he ended up playing football in college. But when he graduated college, um, got, like I said, a job as a wrestling coach and a football coach and he just just always loved it so you know it's been in my family for a few generations and what about, didn't your was your mom an athlete too yeah so my mom played college basketball and she did a bunch of sports growing up and uh a bunch of sports um post-college too she did women's professional football she boxed some um she did some wrestling she she just loves sports in general so yeah so that school principal was thinking he's gonna make a ath- athletic wonder yeah yeah i think that was plan. Mom and dad's jeans. <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly and so then you how long did you live there for yeah so that was there just as a kid five years and then i moved from colorado to wyoming where my uh dad's family's from so it was just you know a few hours away but um my granddad my grandpa he was coaching and he had a heart attack and so my dad wanted to be closer to family and kind of 
then like take over his position and uh, start coaching his alma mater, his wrestling team. So then I lived there for I don't know till I was twelve or so. And so wait, this is in this is in Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. So this is where your wrestling started was in Wyoming. I I, I wrestled a little bit in Colorado, like my very first kind of practices mm-hmm. and and but not really like I was you know five years old. So really, it started in Wyoming where. Uh, my dad was running the high school program, running the youth program, and I was kind of just just really getting into it, starting to get some actual matches and stuff like that. What approach did he take? This because I get asked this question five times a day in some cases. What approach did your dad take? Because obviously he wanted you to wrestle, right? And a lot of people they want their kids to do something. Yeah. For me, a lot of times people are asking about jujitsu, but. What approach did your dad take that you didn't feel like you, oh, my dad's making me do this and it's forced on me and I hate it? Because there's yeah. people that right. end up in that situation. What, what approach did your mom and dad take? You know, I think that there's a couple things that are important. I think that one, I was just around it a lot, mm-hmm. you know. When I, I was born in January and so February is generally the high school. <sighs> did, did they plan that? I don't know. They might have. Um, I tried to plan it. So my wife's due date is like the very end of December. Oh. So I'm hoping for like one, like, like a week late. So yeah. we'll see, but I don't know. They might have, but it worked out really well. And, uh, but, but, um, back to what I was saying, the, uh, state wrestling tournament is generally like February ish. And so I was like a month old at my first state wrestling tournament. So I've just literally been around it my entire life. And I think that, I always gravitated towards it for some reason, but I think a big part of why I didn't ever feel pressured to wrestle was because I did other sports too. Like I said, my dad played college football, and so I played football, baseball, soccer, I ran track, I did swimming. Like I did every sport you could do growing up, and wrestling was always the one I was probably best at and that I liked the most, but there was a lot of breaks, and I think that if you take a five-year-old or a six-year-old and you tell them they're going to be a wrestler and they're going to wrestle in college, it's like they're just a kid, you know? And, and like, let, let, you got to let them be a kid. Let them figure things out. Let them do different stuff. Figure out what they like. And I think it was, I was just lucky that, not necessarily lucky, but I was just in a position where I was around wrestling the most. I just also happened to like it the most. And at the same time, I could get a break from it as a kid when, you know, football season, I was playing football or, you know, doing soccer, playing soccer. It was always wrestling was the most important, but it wasn't the ex- exclusive priority at that age. If you would have been more into football, would your dad have been cool? Yeah, for sure. If you would have been more into basketball, would your dad have been cool? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, if you'd have been I more don't know into, about basketball. <laughs> I was going to say, what if you were more into like literature? Yeah, you know, um, I think that one of the things that is good is that my dad and I just really bonded over wrestling because he was a coach and he loved it. It was this thing that he was, you know, passionate about and excited about. And we shared that. Right. So he was the person from when I was born to 18 that I spent an insane amount of time with more time than anybody else. And we just really bonded over that. And so it definitely brought us closer. And I think if I would have been into something different that he would have just as supportive and just as, but, but it wasn't his passion as well. So I think because we did share that, it just created a really strong relationship for us. But yeah, I mean, I believe that my dad just, he loves me. He wants me to be successful and happy at whatever I do. And I have three younger sisters and 
he was super supportive and and you know happy for them to do different they were all athletes too but you know i'm sure if they would have done I, I feel like if they would have done something different that it would have been you know a very supportive environment what kind of temperament does your dad have <laughs> so it's very interesting my dad i would describe it as he's very calm very relaxed um pretty um pretty like uh easy to get along with he's very friendly but he does have this other side of him that's like like he's a leader he's like getting it done and he's very um like he, he always ran programs right like he was a head coach at right when he graduated college 24 and that's what he's done his whole life mm -hmm. and uh so he has that side and and it, and it can bring out like a demanding part and also a a harder part so you know, I think that my dad just had a great balance because he pushed me and there was a lot of discipline and a lot of structure, but there was never fear. I never really was scared of like my dad being mad at me. It was more like there was a some type, maybe I didn't understand this fully as a kid, but there was some type of like understanding of, all right, at the end of the day, like if, if this doesn't go my way, my dad still loves me. He just wants me to win mm -hmm. and he wants me to be successful and do my best. I never felt like it was all, we were always on the same team. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, no, I never felt like we were fighting against each other. What if you lost when you were 12 years old? Cause you did something like you did one of these risky moves that right. you talk about you doing yeah. and you lost. What would your dad say to you? So it's kind of funny. Um, in the moment, you just see things differently, and then you know you take a little time, and you can look back and, and see it for I think more of reality. And there were times where I would lose and feel like he was mad at me, but I would take a day or take a week and realize, or or we would just continue to have a conversation about it. And he was never mad at me for losing. A lot of times as a kid, you know, like if if I lost, then I would throw a fit or or you know be mad at the ref or blame somebody else for me losing that's he would that was not okay like that was where i would get discipline right like i was getting he was getting after me but most of the time like if i lost and i was just crushed defeated he was the first one there for me to pick me up and tell me they love me and that he's proud of me and give me a hug and stuff because you know i was just a very different kid i think at a young age at six seven eight years old i knew what i wanted to do and so it meant a lot to me. It wasn't a kid that lost and threw a fit because, you know, they're just being a kid. It was like, it really crushed me. And so I think that he saw that. Like you saw your hopes and dreams being destroyed. It was like my identity, like, like I'm seven or eight or whatever. And I would lose. And it was like, it would just like defeat me. And it would, it would just, it would last a long time with me. And I think that's part of what motivated me a lot and helped me get to, you know, where I got in my wrestling career, but yeah, that, that's when, you know, there was a difference in his demeanor when I would complain or make an excuse versus just be hurt, you know? Yeah. There's an interesting thing I've been talking a lot about lately when, from a leadership perspective, when you're in charge of a team, you as a leader have to sort of often be the counter to what the team is doing from a morale perspective. So, 
the team wins and they're all happy and they're all like, yeah, we're, we're the best. You're the one that the leader needs to say, hey, yeah, that was a good job, but here's some mistakes we made. You got to pull them back down. When the team loses and they're all bummed out, as a leader, you got to say, hey, guys, yeah, we lost, but we learned these lessons. Here's where we're going to improve them. So that's a, a very good point that sounds like your dad found that same exact thing. If you lose and you're crushed, he's not saying, you're damn right, you lost, you should have lost. <laughs> no, he's saying, hey, you know, you, here's the lesson you learned. You're not going to make that mistake again. And if you won, or if you lost and you were blaming other people, blaming the ref, whatever, then he's going to tighten you up and just pull you back in that other direction. That sounds like a really good way to handle things. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I think that he, it, it was definitely coming from a foundation of just love, loving me, wanting me to be successful while also being passionate about what we were doing. But now I look back and I see so many kids who, well, I mean, not kids anymore, they're adults now, but who wrestled their whole life and who hate it now or don't have a great relationship with their dad and i'm a lot there's a lot of questions in my mind i'm like how did we end up like that like that's crazy that me and my dad are still so close and he coached me and we spent so much time together and you know when the vast majority of people that were in a similar situation to me they don't really have the same feelings i think a lot of that comes down to alignment right because if (laughs) there's a little meme out there one of those little videos and it's, it's, it's Matt Damon, the actor, and he's yelling at a kid. And the, they have like a, a picture of, a, of the kid's bedroom, and there's like a squat rack in there and a pull-up bar and like a bed. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, he's saying, you know, after I remodeled my kid's room or something, and the kid's like, Dad, I don't want to be like this. And he says, you need to do this. He says, why are you yelling at me? He says, because it's a good dream. (laughs) And so clearly, like that kid's not aligned with the dad. But for you, luckily, you guys were aligned. And I think what you as a, this is my experience, what you have to do as a parent, what I have to do as a parent, what parents have to do is your kids, there's a decent chance like, hey, you might get lucky and your kid happens to want to be you know, a wrestling champion or whatever, and that's what you're into, cool. But if you want your kid to be a wrestling champion and they don't want to be a wrestling champion, that's where there's going to be a problem. Just like in a marriage, you know, if you if you want to make a bunch of money and that's what you're focused on, but your wife wants to have quality time with the family, there's a lack of alignment there and it's going to be a problem. So it sounds like you two were aligned. My recommendation for people is you have to align yourself with what your kids want. And look, if your kids, your kids, kids are going to go through some phases where they want to do some dumb stuff, right? <laughs> So we're not going to go there, but as they grow up, they find out what they're interested, they find what their passion is, and you gotta you gotta kind of get aligned with them. That's what you that's what you kind of have to do. Now you say you knew. How did you know? What did you know? How old were you when you knew? I would say when I first knew what I wanted to do, um, I was probably like seven. You know, like you know that that's at that point I knew just from being what around who I was around. My dad was coaching individual state champions, state championship teams, guys that were going to college, competing on a national level. And so I saw that and I knew that's what I wanted to do. You know, at that moment it was like, all right, I want to be a state champion, you know, in, in high school and obviously in youth and stuff. And after I do that, like I want to be a, a national champion. I want to be a, a world champion. And so it was really, you know, just my environment and seeing people that that was a reality for and uh very young you know i think i used to have this old uh tv that was like the big box with the 
you could put the VHS in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I had a VHS tape of, I want to say it was the 2002, it was either 2002 or 2003 NCAA finals. Like I, I got, like that was maybe the first year they ever broadcast on ESPN. And Cale Sanderson was, um, that was the year he won his fourth NCAA title. And so um, I would watch that like every night, like over and over and over again. And, you know, so that was, yeah, like I said, I was born in 96. So I was six or seven years old. And I knew like, that's what I wanted to do. I had my dad get me the same red headgear, like, like Kale. And, um, you know, when I got more access to film for that, we used to have this DVD set of the best, the best Olympic trials and world world championship trials matches. So it would have John Smith, Randy Lewis, best two out of three. Kenny Monday, Dave Schultz, best two out of three. All these crazy, amazing wrestlers that competed. Um, that's what I was watching as a kid. I wasn't watching like Disney or movies or stuff like that. We'd go on a road trip to wherever, and my sisters would be so mad because I would throw wrestling in the in the <laughs> DVD player, and that was just when I was a kid, and it was just what I loved, and you know, I could automatically kind of just see a difference between me and kind of the other kids that I was around, what they're interested in, and even a difference between me and the, the kids I was around that were wrestlers that were competing at a high level just by how much time I spent kind of obsessing over the sport just because I loved it. Like, I didn't really have anybody. My dad never made me do that. My dad made me go to practice, and he, he made me train, and, and, you know, he would take me to tournaments. But outside of that, there was a lot that went into it that was just my decision. <laughs> At what age were you when you started training year-round? See, that's that's another interesting question because I wasn't full-time wrestling until I was a junior in high school. Dang. Yeah, so I I played football. I, so I, I did tons of sports basically through eighth grade. And then in eighth grade, wrestling and football. And then ninth, tenth, wrestling, football. And then there was honestly a time where I thought – Hey, maybe, maybe I love wrestling so much, but I could probably play college football too. Like that, that was in my in my mind. And uh, you know, once I got a little older, I realized that I just love wrestling too much. It's just too fun for me. It's too exciting. And football is really fun, but I just identify with it on a different level. It's more of the the team camaraderie that that aspect of sport that I really like, but wrestling was just more me you know it's it's me out there and 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 it's more my personality of hey at the end of the day win or lose is on me i want it to be that way i don't want to rely on it whether or not a kicker makes a field goal in the last 10 seconds like for us to win you know i i'm I'm just not that 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 didn't fit my personality as well Mm -hmm. well they say that 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 specialization of young kids isn't as good as people think it is it's better to have them do a wide variety of sports they just become more overall athletic mm-hmm. so apparently that worked with you i would 100 percent agree with that i think that when i look at a lot of my teammates in college who only wrestled their whole life they're really only able to kind of move in one kind of way there's not a lot of difference um differentiation of movement in mm-hmm. general it's kind of like that's how they move and uh but I see guys that do other sports and it's very unique, right? And I think they just kind of have maybe more upside. And uh, in addition to that, I think it's, I said I don't identify with the, the team sports as much, but I do love team sports and that, that social component and having to work together is such a big part of, of sport in general that I think socially, if you start at five years old 
and you only ever do an individual sport, golf, tennis, wrestling, you know, you kind of don't get that, that, uh, socialization of competing together with people and having to, uh, work as a team mm-hmm. and, and know, know your, your part and your place and, and, and do that. So to me, I'm grateful for having done sports for, for those two reasons, right? Like the, the physical aspect of being able to move differently, but also the, the social aspect of knowing how to interact with people and how to deal with teammates and how to kind of struggle together, but also, um, like come out on the other end and like win together. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing with school, like actual schoolwork? Did you care? Did you try? Were you like slacking? School? Or no? So I don't know um, why, but I've just always was good at school. Like it was easy for me. Mm-hmm. I never studied. Um, the first time I ever studied for anything was probably my freshman year of college. And I mean, in high school, I basically I never got a B. I was like straight A's, elementary school, middle school, high school, and. I think that, you know, I, I liked certain aspects of school. I liked math. I liked history. Um, and the other, to me, it was just like, I'm just going to do my best mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm doing. And, and, and that was my best. I think in college, I lost that a little bit the first couple of years because I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm here to wrestle. Like, let's be real. <laughs> like, no, this is, my, this is what I'm here for. So I'm not going to kid around. So, you know, I'd, I'd miss class here and there. And um, my, my kind of got away from a little bit of that. I mean, I still did well in school. I had like, you know, 3.0 or something like that, but it wasn't what I could have been doing. And I just remember my coach came up to me and was like talking to me about it. I'm like, coach, I don't like, I'm going to wrestle. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I thought I wanted to maybe go to med school or something. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wrestle. And then he's like, I get it. I get it. But you can't be doing this and not, if you're going to do something, you should just do your best. And I was like, that's a great point. So then, you know, after that, it was, it was all, it didn't matter to me what my, my grade was. It was all effort based. So it was, I'm not going to miss a class that I, that I'm like, if I don't have to, like if I'm traveling for wrestling, obviously I have to, but I'm not going to miss any class. I'm going to sit in the front row. I'm going to be engaged. And my grades got a lot better. I ended yeah. up with like a three, two, three, three, something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was, I think that's the main thing for me was in school, just do your best. That's, that's it. So you didn't stay in Wyoming though. Did you, your next move was to New Mexico? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at about fifth grade so I was like maybe 11 12 um my mom and dad my mom did not like Wyoming it was like crap weather we lived in a town of 5,000 people and it was just not really her type of environment you know and uh so then and and in addition to that it was just a small town you know my my parents were looking for good opportunities for myself or my sisters and so my dad got a head coaching job offer in New Mexico at a school called Rio Rancho which had one of like honestly one of the top programs in the country there was tons of kids there that were just super super high level and uh you know my mom was like this is definitely a little better weather and the environment's a little nicer and stuff so um made the move there and uh yeah lived live there for a few years and that's really where I started I was serious about wrestling before that but that's where I started almost doubling down on it even more but you still weren't training full time. No. So basically my schedule would be, um, you know, the, the fall months, August, like maybe end of July, August through October football. But, and I, and, and it depended, like I would probably hit one or two wrestling training sessions a week. Um, 
and then maybe like I would do one one tournament or something mm-hmm. like that, like during football season. But it was it was mainly just football. I'd have that it was three four months out of the year to just focus on football. And then the summer I would do other sports, track or baseball. But the other sports weren't as serious. It would be like you know I would, I would just basically still be doing a full wrestling schedule through those sports. Oh, so you were training year round? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was I was training. I would say this. I was training, if you look at it, cumulative is probably 10 months out of the year. Okay. I yeah. just did everything. Though. Right. I just loved it. So other than football season, you're wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And you you made varsity your eighth grade when you were in eighth grade? Yeah. So um, it, it's interesting. Crazy. Interesting what story. What was your weight? I weighed 100 pounds. So it was 103 at the time. Yeah. So basically uh, what was going to happen was I had a really good football team um, that year and I was also a little small, so I mean, not not like super small, but like somewhat small. So between seventh and eighth grade, we were all going to get held back, and it was going to be like create this super team for mm. sports, and it was going to be insane. And <laughs> all, uh, what, all the parents got together, yeah. and were just like, "Yo, we got we're this. doing this, yeah." And it was like, "Okay, let's do it." And so, <laughs> yeah, and 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 but we were all on board, all the kids, because those were all like my best friends. So I was like, "Yo, let's do this," and then uh, we'll be just basically do this do this year over. <laughs> and so we, we go to do it and, uh, they're like, okay, everybody, all these other kids can do it, but you can't do it. And I was like, and, and they're like, your, your state test scores are too high. We can't allow you to get held back. And I'm like, what the frick? But like, like this doesn't make any sense. They're like, you scored at this grade level, whatever. Like there's no way to, to we're just mm-hmm. not going to allow it. And they like put their foot down. With Nobody me. taught you how to bomb a test yet. <laughs> yeah, I know I should have, but, um, I was just like, what are we going to do? And my, my dad was just super pissed because they, they let everybody go besides me. And so my dad's like, all right, you're going to get homeschooled this year. And so in eighth grade, I was homeschooled and I just wrestled and I, I played on my football team too, but did you still repeat the year then as a homeschooler? No. So I didn't repeat the year. Got it. So basically we kind of just decided that since, oh yeah. So, so since I had to move up a grade to stay with my football team, I basically, because it wasn't a, a school team, it was a club team. Got it. I, I like couldn't do eighth grade because the, the, the years in school were like kind of weird where like middle school is sixth, seventh, and then it was like the schedule didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So we're going to homeschool you. We're going to have you do football. And then you're allowed to do, as a homeschool athlete, the high school technically has to, allow, like your local has to allow you to do one sport. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I'm going to do wrestling and... um in New Mexico, you can compete on varsity as an eighth grader because of just the way that state works. Like there's some states that just allow that. And so that year was really interesting because my parents were both working full time. They're teachers and, and coaching and stuff. And I was just at home. Like I basically took a redshirt year and like it worked out. <laughs> and you're 13. Whatever. I was like 13. So I would wake up, I would work out. I would do like a a P90X workout. I don't know if y'all even know yeah, those, but I remember yeah, I would do a P90X workout. And, uh, then my parents, the first couple of weeks, they're like, Dude, there's All right. people like Googling P90X right now going to yeah. sign up for that. P90X <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they were like, all right, here's all your school stuff. It's on the computer. You know, you got history, you got math, you got whatever, all these classes. And I was like, okay. So I did them for a week. <laughs> and then my parents like weren't really checking. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm done. So I didn't, I didn't do school. I just basically took that whole year and I worked out and wrestled and did and played football at the beginning, but it was mostly just working out and wrestling. 
And the wrestling was just with the high school? Yeah, so what I would do was, and what I had been doing up to, you know, from fifth grade on is, and I would do the high school practice, which would be a little earlier, so it'd be like right after school, 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. And then I would go straight to club practice, 6.30 to whatever, 8. So I would do... That's like four and a half hours of wrestling. Yeah, most days, that's what I was doing. I would do two. Yeah, <laughs> and then I would lift in the. I like the I fact that earlier you said you weren't like a full time wrestler, <laughs> and here you are just doing nothing but wrestling. I just I, loved it. I homeschooled my son for a few years, and he sounded like he had a very similar schedule, <laughs> but it was all surfing and jujitsu. <laughs> just not, yeah, not it, much. It was great for me. I mean, it, it worked out because I was somebody that I didn't really. It was just what I needed at the mm-hmm. time, you know. And it Were just, your sisters? No, you're just home alone. So I had one sister. She's a year younger than me. That she home, was homeschooled as well. So it was me and her, and we would just hang out. But you're 13 years old, home by yourself, just yeah. doing whatever. Yeah. What did you eat, dude? Dude, <laughs> the worst. I would like. Well, it wasn't all bad. It was like 50 percent the worst. But I would make brownies like every day. I would literally. I learned how to make brownies with the old uh, like Betty Crocker box or whatever, and I would just like make a tray of brownies and eat them every day. <laughs> I don't even think my parents knew. <laughs> and I would watch movies. I would watch like uh, the one movie I watched a hundred times. I watched Joe Dirt, <laughs> and I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> How'd you do your your varsity or your freshman year or your eighth grade year? How'd you do? I did okay. Um, so our team was very good. So we would travel all over. We'd go to you know, we'd go up to Colorado, we'd go to Kansas, we'd go to California, we'd, we'd wrestle in, you know, all kinds of big tournaments. And I don't remember how many times I lost, probably mm, four or five times. And uh, I ended up taking second in the state, which crushed me. It was the worst. Like, I wanted to be, I had never lost at a state tournament. So from the time I was six, when I did my first state tournament in wrestling, uh, youth wrestling, Freestyle, Greco, folk style. So three three state tournaments a year. I never lost at a state tournament until the eighth grade, my first year of varsity. Make the finals. And I'm actually wrestling a kid that was an old teammate of mine who transferred to a different school and who I'd beat. Uh, I beat a couple times. He beat me maybe once. And he freaking, he got me. And it was devastating. Mm-hmm. It was it was, it was hard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it was, a, it was, it was like... Same, he was the same age as you? No, he was like three or four years older. Yeah, cause yeah. that's the thing people got to understand is in high school, when you're wrestling, you're wrestling by weight, but you know, different people have different so weights different. in life. And so you can, you, you were probably off, actually probably, you were probably always wrestling guys that were 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. And you were 13. So what my dad would do, this is funny, but when I turned, I think it started when I turned nine. So when I went up till nine, I was probably wrestling like at, Six and seven and eight, probably 40, 50 matches a year. At nine, it was like, all right, we're doing this for real. I was wrestling like over 100 matches a year. What I would do is I would wrestle the nine tens, I would wrestle 11, 12. So I'd under, wrestle 10 and under, I'd wrestle 12 and under. And I would wrestle 20 matches in a weekend sometimes. It was like insane. And then by the time I graduated the, the 10 and under division, so when I turned 11, I would wrestle 11, 12. And then the next division was 15 and under. So I was 11 and I'd wrestle 15 year olds. And that was a standard for me. And I wasn't just doing like local tournaments like this. I would go to like a, a, a big tournament with kids from 20 different states and I would wrestle as an 11 year old, I'd wrestle 11, 12 and I'd wrestle 13, 14, 15 as well. So I'd wrestle, like I said, 20 matches in a weekend and competing against everybody. 
My dad was just trying to get me, get me matches. Yep. So uh, I just have to send out some advisory information here because <laughs> I did that too with my kids. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't good because I would put my kids when they were younger, lower belts and and lower they were lower weights and mm-hmm. I'd make them wrestle up age, make them wrestle up belts and make make them up, wrestle up weights. Mm-hmm. And so they'd get their asses kicked sometimes. Yeah. And I would in my mind, you know, my inner dialogue was like I'm making really tough kicks. <laughs> and in their minds it was I'm not good at this. I suck. Yeah. You know, I suck. This isn't fun. I don't want to do this. And what you want your kids to do is have fun. That's what you want. Definitely. And winning is fun. Right. And losing is not fun. I I think I don't, I'm trying to remember where I got this from. Maybe it's Huberman, but I don't know who it is. 80%. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. 80%. That's what you want. You want to win 80% of the time. So if you can get your kids to win 80% of the time, that's good. 20% of the time they lose. Then they, oh, I can do this. And they feel good about themselves. You don't want to do 20% win and 80% lose because then they don't want to practice. They don't want to get better. Uh, How often were you winning when you were 11 years old going against 15 year olds? So I'll disagree with him a little bit Mm -hmm. because if I would have lost two matches every 10 matches I wrestled, I would have been furious. I would have like been so mad. Mm -hmm. So I probably won 95% of my matches. You know, I was probably, if I wrestled 100 matches in the year, I would lose, you know, four or five. Um, but those, against kids that were four years older than you. Yeah. And there would be kids that were my age that would be mm-hmm. me too. You know, like I would go to, there was this, this big tournament, Tulsa nationals, like Tulsa nationals was the tournament. You get kids from everywhere and I never won it as a kid. I would always be, you know, second, third, like right in there. I never did. I, I always placed high, but I never, I never won. Like one year I actually took sixth. And if you look at it, there's this crazy picture online where, if you look at the five, the six guys, there's like 10 national titles, 17 All-American honors, like multiple world champions. It's like crazy. Like in this Tulsa Nationals, you know, you look, it was, I'm trying to remember the guys. It was Dean Heil, who's multiple-time national champion, Joey McKenna, uh, Ohio State wrestler, Zach Hall, Isaiah Martinez, um, Anthony Valencia. There was maybe like one other guy and and me. And I was, and I, I, I was the sixth out of all of those guys. But uh yeah, so I, I was losing at a pace that for me was was good. It was like mm-hmm. every loss would really hit me hard, but it would I would be motivated from right, it. Right. Yeah, and I think that you know if you're a parent and your kid is obviously doing well, like for instance, let's say you hadn't wrestled as much and you got into it when you were in eighth grade, and your dad your dad wouldn't throw you to the Tulsa tournament and no. let you get annihilated because he would have been like, oh no, we're gonna go over and beat up some of these kids in this local tournament. And yes. It's all good. Yeah. Um, it's interesting this whole this whole uh, personality that you have that you sat here for like fifteen minutes and said that you didn't really wrestle that much as a kid, <laughs> and it turns out you were competing hundred <laughs> matches a year. Oh know, man, this is not normal, well, Bo. I'll say this. I, it, it, I wasn't exclusively exclusively wrestling. I was doing it a lot, obviously. Like as we can tell, you know, I was seven, eight years old wrestling. I mean, I, by the time I was ten, I had probably five hundred matches. You know, like crazy. But, um, <laughs> but it was to me not the only thing I had. Like I had a lot of other things going on as well. I don't know. The, well, the big question to me is, I don't know how my parents managed it because they were both working. My dad was coaching. He was traveling with his team. Like how he missed in my whole youth, 
all, all the way up until I got to college, one tournament of mine and I did terrible. <laughs> I was like 12 <laughs> and I was like, got wrecked. But, uh, yeah, I mean my whole youth and I'm like, the math doesn't really check out there because mm-hmm. he has a full-time job and he's also coaching a team. So <laughs> how does this work? But I don't, I'm just like, he did it. So was he your coach always in high school? Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happened was well, that helps obviously. Yeah. So up until the eighth grade, we lived in New Mexico. He was always the head coach of the high school. He would have obviously assistants and then, you know, run the youth program as well. So he was with me, coaching me, um, every day. And then, uh, when I, after the eighth grade, from eighth to ninth grade, my sisters were getting a little older. We started to realize New Mexico, it was, it had a lot of good things, but the culture wasn't great. A lot of, a lot of gangs, a lot of like, you know, drugs, just kind of bad stuff. We're near Albuquerque. It was a rougher area. That's also kind of where I started fighting, where I started getting interested in fighting because big fight culture in that area. But um, they, they just didn't really want, it wasn't really me. It was more so my sisters kind of coming up Mm. in that type of environment. So we were looking for places to go that had great wrestling and were more of a family type environment. And so we ended up moving to Texas and my dad also didn't want to, he was spending so much time coaching and wrestling. He wanted to spend some more time with my sisters and uh, he decided to kind of take a back seat and just be, be a a dad, be maybe do like some assistant coaching work. And once we got to Texas, he basically just coached me and that was it. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like an official, he was a teacher, but he didn't coach like on the high school team officially until the coach was like, please like help us. <laughs> and then. Now you said in New Mexico, you started getting uh, and I quote, interested in fighting. Does that mean you were getting in scraps? Oh yeah. Or, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I always kind of be just being like a, a, a boy and wrestling and playing football. It's like, that's a normal thing, right? Like, like scrapping. But in New Mexico, it really got turned up to like a hundred because we were right near Jackson's. That was right when all these dudes were coming out of there that were absolute killers. You know, mm-hmm. Rashad Evans, Keith Jardine, Cowboy Storm, like so many, so many guys. And uh, so that was just a, such a normal thing. So what we do at these tournaments, for, first off, like my friends and I would just fight. It'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, let's just fight for fun, you know? And uh, then at, what we started doing was we'd go to wrestling tournament, local tournament, at a high school or whatever and we'd get you know 15 20 kids right and we'd go back hallway where nobody was you know uh the tournament's in the gym we'd go out the gym through the cafeteria or whatever and find a back hallway where no parents were nobody was and we just get in a circle and we just fight so you'd wrestle your match boom you go out there you'd fight you'd, you'd go wrestle you go fight so i would get like 10 wrestling matches and i would like fight 10 kids at the same time like the same day and uh that was just what I what I started doing. It was just fun. I just loved it. But it was, uh, yeah, a little crazy. But that's just kind of where I first got introduced to to fighting and 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 saw it as something that I was just. I was like, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, right on. Now moving to Texas, wrestling's not huge in Texas. Mm-hmm. And did your dad? He must have looked at like Pennsylvania, Iowa. Like he must California. Mm-hmm. What 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 made him settle in Texas? Yeah, so yeah, we looked at um, Iowa City. We looked at Blair Academy in New Jersey. We looked at Poway. Um, all could could have been out there, yeah. which would have been crazy. <laughs> but yeah, all these schools very good. Um, so I remember 
my mom, my dad, and I were driving out to Texas um, to kind of just scope the area, take the job interviews and stuff. And uh, so I get there and the people were just so nice right away. Just awesome people. The high school was massive. The football team was like the number one team in the country. They had all these crazy plans. They had all this strength conditioning stuff in place with, with the high school. And everything was like, it seemed like a college. It was insane. And uh, so my parents saw that they had a, a high school science teacher, which is that's what my dad does. And they had a middle school PE teacher, which is what my mom does. Like those jobs were available. And it was like, okay, cool. that's a little weird that these two jobs are perfectly already available. So they interview, they get the jobs on the spot. And then they're like, okay, like give us like a day to think about it. And we're driving back. And this is, we, we just found out about basically the, the high school I went to was Allen High School. We found out about this place five days earlier, maybe less. And then, you know, got the jobs and they're driving back. And my parents were just like, if this isn't God telling us where we need to be, like, I don't even know. So call back, accept the jobs. And then the next week I moved to Texas and lived that summer with um, one of my now best friends and uh, his family and just did their summer strength conditioning program and did like some summer football and stuff and uh, wrestled obviously and then my parents and sisters moved out like the end of the summer. So it was, it happened so fast. It was like, oh, we're, we're in New Mexico, but we're kind of interested in other places. And then a week later I was in Texas. It was like insane. And did you, so you played football too? Yeah, I played football for two years there mm-hmm. and uh, the high school team's insane. So um, I think my, my freshman and sophomore year, they were maybe state quarterfinals, state semis, but then my junior, senior year, and then the next like two or three years, state champion number one team in the country 60 game unbeaten streak now the quarterback when i was in school was uh kyler murray he's a quarterback for the arizona cardinals they have like i don't even know probably 10 guys that were on the team that play in the nfl now yeah so the team was stacked and and i i love playing and stuff um but i just after it's so different in texas when you're playing football it's not football season it's first off we're gonna do football season it's 16 weeks it's 12 regular season games and or 10 regular season games and six playoff it's like it's a lot you go till christmas and then as soon as you're done with that it's all right we're powerlifting the next three months okay we're done powerlifting we got full pad spring ball season so there's whatever 12 weeks of full pad spring ball okay summer seven on seven we're going to arkansas we're going to oklahoma we're playing seven on seven it's like that's all year for them Mm. so i did it for two years and i was I was playing well and like I, I probably would have been, you know, a, I wouldn't have been the best player on the team, but I would have been a, a guy that contributed a lot mm-hmm. on the team and stuff. And I was like, but I, I wasn't committed like these other kids. I yeah. was like, I'm not going to not wrestle. Like I'm not like I'm doing well in season, but I'm not going to take all this. And I, I do spring ball, but I can't do everything else. So in my mind, I had to pick. Mm-hmm. I just got to an age where I was like, I got to pick a path. How'd you do your freshman year in wrestling? So my freshman year of wrestling, I did well. I had a couple losses. Um, I, I had gotten a little bigger. So my eighth grade, I was about 100 pounds. My freshman year, I weighed about 120, 125. And uh, I made the state finals again as a freshman and uh, had an insane match with this kid who was a senior who's like two-time defending state champion. And he ended up beating me. And so I got second again and <laughs> crushed me. I just remember like, oh, that was probably... Up to that point in my life, definitely the, the hardest thing I had, which I'm, 
it seems like, you know, I'm very blessed. Like I didn't have a lot of like trauma outside of that, mm-hmm. but that was the hardest thing I had to deal with. Cause like, it was like, all right, well I can't be a five time state champion, which I was never really like a big thing on my mind. I was like, but I'm going to win every year when I'm actually in high school mm-hmm. and then boom, can't do it. And I'm like, Oh, like I just ran straight out into the parking lot and just like was crushed for an hour. My dad came and got me and was like, Hey, you got to get your medal. Like you got to go on the podium, like take a picture. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And he was like, no, come on, you got to. But yeah, it was rough. <laughs> How long did it take you to get through that? So did you like immediately Dan Gable, just like start training even harder? <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, um, it was right after that, you know, I, I had like, I don't really remember. I kind of like blanket out, to be honest. You know, I, I know that summer I was wrestling at Fargo national tournaments and I did okay and stuff. And, um, but I was still like, I just kind of just had so much going on between just being a kid and school and football and wrestling that I was just, it was just like right back on it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I didn't really, I don't think it had processed that a lot, but, uh, it was, it, it, it was something that it motivated me because of how bad I hurt. So anytime I go into a training session, that's what I would think about. I would just be like, dude, do you want to feel that again? Or are you going to like, are you going to wimp out on this workout? Or do you want to feel like that? Yeah. Like that's what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter, after she would wrestle, I couldn't talk to her for 20 minutes, whether she won or lost. Yeah. If she won and I went over and said, Hey, good job. She'd be like, yeah, she was emotional. Just, yeah. And then if she lost, I'd go, you know, that girl was tough. Yeah. My son, no emotions, win or lose. Just this, just look like nothing happened. Yeah. Like he looked like he just walked out of the grocery store. Yeah. You know, he just had, you know, an overtime <laughs> match and pinned a guy He's or like, got pinned or whatever. And he just like, I'd be like, Hey, good job. He's like, huh? It's <laughs> so interesting. I have videos of both of them, and you're like, "How are these wow. kids related?" That's so you interesting. Know? Yeah, totally different. Yeah, it was uh, always really emotional for me, um, as a kid, at least, because yeah. I put so much into it. So, I feel like there was at that point, it was like, unless I like, if I did what I wanted to do, I was like, ah, whatever, cool, I did it. Mm-hmm. But if I lost, it was like crushed me. Or if I won in a way that I wasn't, you know, sufficient. Then I was like insufficient. Yeah, if it was like insufficient winning. Yeah, like let's say like I was just mad because I'd be like, and at that point it would be like a lot of excuse to be like, well he was stall and he back like why don't this guy wrestle me and I'd be like, and and I had to grow out of that though you know so, um, it was just yeah very very emotional thing which I I just it was good and bad right like mm-hmm. if you let that control you it's gonna end up really affecting you a lot and it did you know even through my college career but once you learn you have to learn a lot about yourself to be able to kind of move past that and and use it efficiently versus letting it kind of dictate how you feel are you cutting weight at this point no not really no so i I weighed 100 my freshman year i wrestled 103 you know i'd cut a little weight here and there maybe my uh, my freshman year i weighed or excuse me eighth grade i was 100 my freshman year i was 125 I'd maybe get up to 129, mm-hmm. you know, but so nothing. I didn't cut really. I never cut my senior year of high school. I wrestled 182 and I weighed 170 pounds. It was best for a team for me to just be up weight. So I was Damn. just, up. yeah. So I just was gave like, up whatever. 12 pounds. I've never been a big weight cutter. You know, even in college, I started off 174 sophomore, junior. Year, I went up to 84. My senior, year, I was 197 weighing 200 maybe. Mm. So when I was weighing probably actually I'd finish practice. 194 195 so that's that's crazy that's just what i weighed i just never been a weight cutter i don't really 
I always focused on getting better at wrestling. Mm-hmm. Weight cutting is obviously an important part of the sport, and you know I would do it here and there. Um, but you know, I just I just wasn't interested in doing that. I was interested in getting better. So your state champ, tenth grade. Yeah, so that was a big like right or right or wrong for me. So that was that was a big moment. I felt like all right, we're kind of turning a corner here. Mm. Yeah. Same thing, eleventh grade. Yeah, it got a lot better. So that was the first year I just did wrestling exclusively, and. I went from probably a 10 to like a, like a, maybe like an eight to 12 kid in the country to like number one. You still are going to like roll into some dual meets or something where you've got some kid that's been wrestling for like two years, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that, oh, yeah. That was, so <laughs> that's just, I got a good story about that. So, and especially in Texas, like yeah, yeah, there's just sure. not good wrestling in general. Like you get to the state tournament, the finals, there's one, there was one division at the time. So you're we're gonna wrestle somebody good. It's a huge state. There's gonna be somebody, but you're at the district tournament or whatever, and it's like this kid might be his first year, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm like the number one kid in the country. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember one year, uh, I we we so our our rival in football was this school, South Lake Carroll. They're a Dallas school, very good at football, and uh, we were wrestling them in a dual meet. And I was like, got all my boys. I'm like, yo, come out to this duel. It's gonna be sick. Like. South Lake Carroll, let's do it. We were getting posters in the hallways and promoting it. We never got people at the duels. We'd get 80 people maybe because nobody cared about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Our team was state champ. We won state up to this year like 13 years in a row, like my high school <laughs> team. Like, we were, as a team, my junior year, like a top 10 team in the country. We were very good. But nobody cared about wrestling. But this one duel, I was like, yo, like – let's get it and we had probably 600 people there you know like there was a lot and i was like this is gonna be crazy it's gonna be sick and i go out and i'm looking and i'm like this kid is so bad like he's, mm-hmm. he can't even walk straight basically <laughs> and i'm like what am i gonna do here and and i'm still you know young so i don't really know and i just low single off the whistle pull his foot and he just like boom falls back <laughs> and i just like jumped on him and I pinned the kid in like four seconds. It was crazy. <laughs> like no exaggeration. I, I know four seconds might sound like a hyperbole. Like I'm not exaggerating. It was four seconds. And the ref was like, bing, slapped the mat. And all my buddies were like, what? We like, came out here for this? Yeah. And I was, I was like, damn, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably should have taken him down a few times and made it cool. But <laughs> whatever, you know. So yeah, that's the, you would get that once in a while with just kids that you know, don't, don't never wrestled. Right. Like they just, they're just like, Oh, I'll, I'll just try wrestling. Like, Oh frick, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You probably could have wrestled like the entire weight class all the way up. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> then, so you, you said you're the number one in the country right now. What are they basing that off? Are they basing that off of those big, like Tulsa tournaments and stuff like that? Yeah. So, so the Tulsa tournaments are really just youth. So up to eighth grade, but then oh, once you get it. into high school, there's different sets of tournaments. So is that there, like sun-kissed kids and those? Or is that uh, still youth? That's still youth. Okay. Yeah. So in, in high school, you have the big tournaments during the folk style season are the Ironman. Um, the Super 32 is a big tournament. They, have, they just have like big high school tournaments. And then in the off season, you have like, uh, like Fargo tournaments. Right. You have um, now you have uh, like U17 and U20 world team trials. So those are very big. So it's basically just how you're doing against these other guys in the high school season and the off season. And my team was traveling everywhere. So we'd be in Ohio, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. California, Oklahoma. Like we were wrestling all over the country. So and you're winning these tournaments. Yeah. And that's why you're number one in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming out of Texas. Yeah. Just, you know, most it's a, it's a <clears throat> small sport. So you go to a tournament, 
Like you're probably gonna, if you go to a big tournament, like let's say you go to a big tournament in Missouri and you get 50 teams there, you're gonna get probably one or two kids in your bracket that are ranked, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just kind of the way it works. But yeah, so you're you're competing against these kids regularly. A lot of these kids I wrestled since I was little, right? Like Mm -hmm. wrestled them as an eight year old and I'm wrestling them in college. Like that's not a uncommon thing. When does the recruiting process start or when did it start for you? I would say right about then. Um, I was looking at schools, kind of trying to figure out where I wanted to go my junior year. Um, we'd have college coaches you know, talk to me, especially ones that were close, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then schools that were maybe a little smaller that wanted to like get in early and try to, um, they just have to recruit differently than a, mm-hmm. a big school. But it really started heavy, I would say, yeah, like right after my junior year. Mm-hmm. So I committed to Penn State in between my junior and senior year. But really like the end of my junior year, it was like heavy. Mm-hmm. And like, do they do they reach out to you? Yeah, so they'll, they'll send letters at first, maybe like request your transcripts, stuff like that. But a lot of times, you know, you're traveling to tournaments and you, you just see guys there, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, again, it's a small world. So you just know coaches, right? Like when I was probably fifth, sixth grade, we had my dad brought coach kale in for a clinic at my high school so Damn. at this time he was competing so like he um <laughs> but it was uh like like so so we knew him right like we talked to him like mm-hmm. we see him at a tournament like we would say hello you know like and so a lot of the coaches they they know me or they know my dad at least so they can just text him mm-hmm. you know i don't know if that's legal but <laughs> <laughs> like penn state didn't do that but they of were of course they didn't i'll say this <laughs> Penn State is so by the book, it's insane. Like uh-huh. every other school didn't really, like they were just basically hitting me up, messing me on Twitter, this and that. Penn State, they started late and they, they came in at the very end. But you knew Kale already? Yeah, I wouldn't say, I, we knew him. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I'd done clinic and uh, it wasn't like I was friends with him or my dad was friends with him, but like we knew each other. Mm-hmm. And he was he's from Utah, so kind of like Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, a lot of those people know each other. It's just they, they're wrestling at the same tournaments, stuff like that. So was this like the easy decision for you or was there other schools that you thought about? There were a lot of other schools. So up until that point, I, had, I took a bunch of unofficial visits. So I visited University of Virginia. I liked them a lot. I visited Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, Ohio State. Basically what happened was... Um, I wrestled at a tournament in Ohio. It was the, whatever, U-17 World Team Trials. And before the tournament, I went to Columbus and visited Ohio State and met with the coaches and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is, this is great. Like, I love this place. It's awesome. And they had been in contact with me and stuff. And they're like, all right, full scholarship. You're set. Let's do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I want to visit Penn State as well because I plan to visit Penn State right after. So I wrestled the tournament and then... My dad and I drive to State College, visit Penn State. Vibe is so different, but I love it. They're like, so, this is, I just remember this. They just come, everything with Ohio State was, which I loved Ohio State, but it was so flashy. Like, they took me to the football facilities. I remember the quarterback it was like JT Barrett or somebody like that. He's throwing passes to receiver. They're like, showing me, like, this is big time. This is cool. And I'm like, this is cool. Wow, this is incredible. I get to Penn State. I go up in the coach's office. The office is like this big. It's like normal couches, and they're like, so what's up? Like, you like wrestling? I'm like, 
I like wrestling. Like, do you guys like wrestling? <laughs> like, we're just like having conversation. They're just trying to get to know me and stuff, and very, very casual, laid back. And uh, then I walked around campus and stuff, and I was like, I like these guys. Mm-hmm. Let's let's make it. Let's figure this out. Every other school at that point had been 100. percent Your school's paid for. You're good to go. And then Penn State. I was like, a few weeks later, um, my family was taking vacation to the Cayman Islands. We never took a family vacation. This is the first one we ever took together because I was always wrestling. And uh, they were like, I'm like, I want to get this college thing figured out before I go on seven day vacation Mm -hmm. and don't have my phone and stuff. So I was just told the coaches, I'm like, yo, make me an offer. Like, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, okay, here's what we can do. We can do 50% your first year because we have a big recruiting class. After that, we'll give you 100%. So you're going to have to come out of pocket, uh, out of state tuition, 50%, 25 grand, something like that. And I was like, done. Let's do it. I'll... Uh, I'm ready. And uh, I called Coach Kale. Good with me. I'm committing to Penn State. Let's do it. And then uh, then I leave on vacation. And uh, somehow the news got out a little bit. I, I told I was like, don't tell anybody. Like, keep this between us. Like, don't say anything. And I don't think, I don't know how it got out. Coaches told somebody. I don't know. But anyways, I come back and they're like a couple missed calls, a couple texts, blah, 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 what's up. So then I have to call every coach because I didn't want to just... Now people just do announcement on Twitter and then people figure it out. I wanted to be like, these coaches invest a lot of time into me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call, you know, John Smith. I'm going to call Tom Brands. I'm going to have a conversation with these guys and let them know where I'm going before it's tweeted live, which was interesting. So that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the right thing to do. It was definitely not fun, but it was, stu- it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, I only had one bad experience. <laughs> right on. Yeah. We'll keep that one for uh, yeah. off recording. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're, you're in high school, you're kind of, you're just dominating, but you're doing these other tournaments. Did you start doing, did your dad, did your coaches, were you started to do anything like from a mental perspective to get ready to compete? That's a great question. Um, in high school, I'm trying to think. In high school, it was just all honestly intuition off the cuff like you know my dad I think was just a good natural leader in that so the way he would structure his practices is we'd get our warm-up in he'd have everybody kind of do like a team maybe some push-ups some some like uh, ab type work and then he would give everybody like a quote of the day do like a quote of the day kind of some type of mental motivation or mental um how to approach competition or practice or focus, whatever that was. It was different every day. And then, so it was something that was kind of talked about as uh, in, in that sense, but I didn't do specific coaching to me until I got to college. And, uh, but, but I felt like I had a good base and understanding of just kind of the, the natural like mental game of how to, how to compete. But there were still a lot of things that I think that were holding me back. When you were in high school and you were getting ready to do your the finals in the state tournament, what was going through your mind? 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade? Yeah, so in high school, you know, I think that the main thing that I would think about was obviously winning and losing was on my mind heavy, but I would think like, just push that down. Just don't think about it. Just go out there and send it. Like, just get after it. Like, go out there and freaking go for it. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of was like my coping mechanism was was I'm just gonna go for it. Like mm-hmm. like whatever. Like let's go. Let's do it. Like I don't care. Like kind of just like cowboy up. Like let's go. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of was my only real mental kind of 
strategy for dealing with stress and pressure and competition while I was in high school, mm-hmm. which it would work out a few times, but not cons- not as mm-hmm. consistently as that what I would have liked it to be. Yeah, we, we actually, I got asked a question about this handling stress and we did a podcast about it. And I, for the first time in my life, thought about what I did going into stressful situations. And what I came up with was like everything in the beginning was all like, oh yeah, okay, you're gonna practice, you're gonna prepare, you're gonna rehearse, you're gonna do all these things. You're gonna think about how it's gonna go down. I had all those things, but there's one thing that I've been doing my whole life that I never really thought about, which is kind of very similar to what you just said, which is basically up until the execution, I'm super humble, like I practice, prepare, plan, think through things, rehearse again, like all that stuff that comes from humility. And then like when I put my night vision goggles on, when I, when I lock and load my weapon, I, I'm like, I'm gonna kill everybody, like I can't be stopped, like we're right. gonna crush the enemy. So there's a level of cockiness that comes All out. confidence. Yeah, just like, okay, we're, I'm, I'm ready to go. And even if I'm going to talk to a group of people, like I don't sit back, you know, backstage like, oh, I hope I don't mess anything up. No, I think like, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, these people are gonna get their worlds rocked right now, let's mm-hmm. go. So it, it, I had this, just was doing a archery up in, up in Montana, mm-hmm. and I was shooting with Leif, my buddy, and I was shooting, and because we had done this podcast, I had this mindset, and I was going up there, and we're doing the 3D archery shoot, and so yeah. there's freaking crazy targets, you know, they're th- between trees and uphills, downhills. We, there was one of them that was a, a little white rabbit at 72 yards. Like, these are hard freaking shots to make, and I, for the first time ever, I went through the whole course with one arrow, right, which wow. is hard to do. It's 25 shots, one yeah. arrow, and these are crazy shots. But I was talking to Leif and I told him that. And I was like, hey, bro, when I walk up to that line, I'm just like, I'm going to freaking smoke this thing. And that's what happens. You know, mm-hmm. you just, you just, because ha- if you're thinking like, oh, I hope I miss it. I hope I don't miss it. I hope I don't hit that rock. I hope I don't hit that tree. You're guaranteed to hit that freaking tree. Just call timber before you shoot. You're going to hit that tree. <laughs> and so I think that's similar to what you're saying. And that the interesting thing is that's kind of how you, that's how you wrestle. Like when people watch you wrestle, it's easy to see that you're going, I'm just going to freaking get after it. I'm going to send it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that I just always had that. That was naturally just me, my personality, and it got kind of, I guess, uh, highlighted and and you know, brought even more to the to the front when I would compete. But at the same time, now I look back and there were a lot of mental things that I have added to my game, and that I feel like, and things that I was also just doing incorrectly, like mm-hmm. like just different focuses that now I'm like, I had to let those go. And Mm -hmm. I had to learn lessons that basically brought me to where I am now, right? Like it's, it's ever evolving. And I'm sure in 10 years, when I look back at where I am now, I'll be like, dang, that's what I was thinking when I was prepared, you know, because that, that, to me, that's the biggest part of it, right? Like, and you know, everybody's going to train hard. Everybody's going to have at at what I'm doing. They're going to have skills. They're going to have certain things they're good at. And, you know, what's really going to separate people is mentally how they're able to focus and be free and, and compete themselves like, and be themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that, that to me is what I, what I really try to focus on now, because like I said, if you're a pro MMA fighter or, you know, college wrestler, everybody's got reps, dude. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got reps. You got to be elite. Not only at that, you got to have a different part of your game that Mm -hmm. sets you apart. Mm -hmm. Just before we get into college, when you're growing up, 
you're doing like strength and conditioning with the football team at Allen for those first two years. Are you naturally strong? Are you one of these people that's like, like, look, your dad played football in college. Your mom played basketball in college. Like you have, you have good genes. Are you abnormally strong? So I was always, I had an interesting strength. I was always explosive and fast. Like I could shoot very fast shots. I could, I could run pretty quick. I could change directions fast. But I was never a, a, a strong guy, a guy that's going to grab you and you're going to be like, whoa, what the heck? But I was a guy like, I could pick you up and put you down fast. Mm-hmm. But I had to work a lot from all the way from high school through college, really. And, and still to this day, my, my weaker points are like that, that brute strength, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not really, and, and I tailor my style around that. But I think you still have to have some of that. So that's what I work on. I work on the, you know, the squat, the bench mm-hmm. press, the freaking just b- like not the explode through somebody, but just like the grind somebody down. And that, that's the that's to me what doesn't come naturally. So I, I work on that a mm-hmm. lot. So you show up, you graduate state champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you only got it four times, you know, three. Oh, wait. Oh, that's right. Because you're a freshman. Man. That's, that's yeah. right. Dang, weak man. I know. Weak. <laughs> I still. I, I'm. I feel like at this point, how many years later is that? So 2010. So 13 years after, I'm a little okay with it. Like one percent. I'm one percent okay. Uh, Actually, no, that's not true. <laughs> so three-time state champion. You yeah. graduate, finish your senior year. You go to Penn State, um, and you redshirt your first year. Mm-hmm. Meaning you're there, but you're not participating. You're not, you're not competing, not competing on the, uh, official team. You know, I'm competing, uh, in open tournaments and stuff and, and training every day. And, uh, that was a very interesting time. It was really interesting. I think back about that time in my life a lot. I think I'm in a similar time right now with mm-hmm. MMA and getting into MMA. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. And, and you basically decided to do this cause it gives you another year to train, learn, get stronger, get more mature. And, and that's what you do. Yeah. How, how old are you at this point? Like 19? I was 18. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, I, I was 18. Yeah. I, um, basically for me, the red shirt, it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. I needed to develop and get better. I was very raw, naturally talented. I had some good fundamentals, but overall, most of my wrestling was, it was wild gunslinging. Like, you know, I, and I would come out on top most of the time, but there was a lot of risk and I needed to develop the uh, different side of my game. And, uh, so I, I was like, you could put me out there against anybody, even a guy way better than me. And I got a shot, mm-hmm. but that really wasn't what I was looking to do. I wasn't interested in uh, being a guy that has a chance to win. I was interested in being the guy that you have no chance like to beat me. That was, that was what, so the red trigger made sense. So you're working with Kale. Um, what are we calling him? The greatest, the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, collegiate, yeah, easily. Just, yeah. just unbelievable and like a presence, right? And I've never met him, but like you can watch him, and he just has a presence about him. Part of it's because he is the greatest, right? But there's. There's another component there, the thing you can't really identify. What's it like w- with him for the first year? What, what's that situation feel like? So 
the situation is so interesting because like I said, he was my idol growing up. It was like the guy that I watched and he was the guy I wanted to be. And, you know, I wanted to be a four-time undefeated national champion because that's what he did. And, you know, that's something that to me for the first while, I'm just kind of watching him. I'm just like, wow, like what's up with this guy? Like, he's what, quiet. He's too. very quiet. And this, so he, he does individual meetings with the guys um, at the beginning of the year, especially freshmen to kind of get a read on him. And I'm trying to figure him out. And th- this is what he does. So I roll into his office. He's got like a big desk. And uh, he sits back and he just goes like this. He's like kind of swiveling in his chair and just staring at me. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we sat there for like 60 seconds <laughs> and nobody said anything, which is a long time. Like mm-hmm. if you're yeah. actually doing That's it, it's a super awkward. <laughs> yeah. And so he's seconds. like, like leaning. I'm like, so what's up coach? <laughs> and, Cause I'm waiting for him to say something. And, uh, but then, yeah, I don't really remember the rest of the meeting. I just remember that. But then I, I feel like he was trying to figure me out, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. And, and I think the first bit was just figuring him out and being around him, kind of understanding what he thinks about, what he focuses on, what he wants me to do. Like, what, what do you expect of me, coach? Obviously expecting to win, but how do I get there? And that, I think that first year was mostly learning through absorbing it just being in in that environment and just absorbing it and seeing not only him but the rest of the coaching staff the rest of the team how they do things what they focus on what what their mentality is like and uh yeah i mean i tried to really really like be present and be around him and 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 really like i was wrestling him a ton and just like absorb everything that that he was kind of putting out but it, it was it was a big learning curve because like I said, I was very raw and had a lot of good skills, had a lot of success, but had in my mind, you know, just as many kind of flaws in, mm-hmm. in my, in my game and in my mentality. What's the, what's the culture? How would you describe the culture there? This, by the way, these are Penn state right now. They're the, they're the Kings, right? What's their, what's their record right now, past 10, 15 years? Yeah, I think we've won, we've won 10 out of the last 12 national titles, and go. it's just insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what's, that, what's driving that? What's the culture feel like? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because everybody talks about how much we win, but we really never talk about winning. It, it's all about, you know, the principles that the program are, are built on. It's, it's gratitude. It's knowing what you want. It's... Um, taking care of each other and and focusing on effort like really really at the end of the day those are those are the main things it's like effort gratitude know what you want kind of in that in in a different order though it's it's know what you want it's effort it's gratitude in in the in the correct order so that's the things that that I was learning and uh, I think that they just take things to take things to a different level as far as attention to detail and being good at and proficient at wrestling technically is definitely what is focused on most. I think that they obviously have a, a specific system and a way they do things on the mat that's very different. I think they're 20 years ahead of everybody else. But in terms of what technique or how they're drilling or yeah, how they're what? everything, everything. I think they're just they're just ahead. You know, they're just ahead of the curve, and everybody tries to copy us with whatever we do, and it just seems like for, as far as how, the types of techniques that they're they're teaching, the way that they're they're teaching them, are very different. The mentality is very different behind what to focus on when you're going out to compete, and also just the 
different, I don't know if amenities are the right words, but the different things that they utilize to help us be the best and make things easier on us. Give me an amenity. Like uh, hot and cold tubs, like, like you know, uh, saunas, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like we, our weight room, it's all right there. Um, but, but I would say the biggest thing, like we have a full-time, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would call her sports psychologist cause she's not, she does more than that, but we've had a full-time basically sports psych for, I don't know, before any team ever did that, you know, mm-hmm. like the coach Kale was doing that when he was competing and that was in two early two thousands. And, and we've had one since 2009, 2010. So that was just a standard. Like you met with, you met with Bonnie, our ladies, Bonnie. What, 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 what does she say to you? Um, Kind of uh, like, what are you trying to do? What what are you here for? What do you want? You know, like, where where did Kale find her? So I think he was dealing with some challenges mentally, just being who he was and wanting to win Olympic gold medal. And um, I, I think he met her right after college. But they used to just uh, do like phone kind of consultations, and she would help him kind of get a grip on everything that that he was trying to accomplish and manage that. And then when he came to uh, the head coaching position at Penn State, he, he brought her on staff. Mm-hmm. So she's been on staff with us, you know, like I said, before I even got there. But there was no schools doing that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't even a thing. And now it's kind of like the standard. But, yeah, stuff like that. And then, you know, we utilize – we have a great strength conditioning coach at Penn State, but we also utilize outside uh, help for uh, strength conditioning with um, the training lab. I don't know if you ever heard of training lab, but uh, Sam Calavita runs it. And so – he helps us. He's, he's easily the number one strength conditioning nutrition coach in the world as far as combat sports go. So we've been utilizing him forever. And uh, yeah, and I think the other cool thing is that our staff, Coach uh, Kale, his brother Cody, um, Casey Cunningham, Jake Varner, like they've been with each other the entire time. Like they're, they're, they came to Penn State mm-hmm. together. They're just the same guys. Mm-hmm. So they've... And, and if you look at their daily meetings, they have what they did a year ago today, what they did three years ago today, five years ago today, a decade ago today. They know exactly what it is. So they have so much data and information that they're just able to help us navigate a lot of, or I guess they help us not have to navigate a lot of stuff that we maybe would have had to otherwise. One of the things you said was they, that team, and those coaches focus, they, they focus on the right thing. Like, what would you say they focus on that maybe other wrestlers or other teams or other people aren't focusing on? You know, there's a lot. I would say that the main thing is we want to get better at wrestling, right? Like, so what are, what are you going to do if you want to get better at wrestling? You got to wrestle. So that, that's what we're doing most of the time. We're not, yeah, yeah, we're going to do our conditioning workouts, but we're not going to put a hundred miles on, on, we're not cross country runners, you know, we're not power lifters. So we're going to focus on what we want to do. So I think that the majority of what we do for obviously technique and, and for conditioning even is wrestle. So we're wrestling more than anybody else. And then they're focusing on our, on our, on our effort and they're focusing on, you know, results are important, but that's a byproduct, mm-hmm. right? Like we're going to get the results we want to get if we just do these things, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, I think, the consistency that they preach that with of it's the same message right now than what it was when I was a freshman, the way it was before that. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can buy into that and, and be consistent with it, 
that's how you're going to get the results. They're, they're just going to come, you know, you don't have to stress and worry about it every day. You, you just have to improve, get better. And when the moment comes for you to make it happen, you're going to do it. When you say wrestle, like when you say we want to get good at wrestling, so we wrestle, how does that break down from like a drilling versus live re- wrestling? Like how does that break down? You know, one, one thing I think I will say that is different about Penn State as well is we, we have a system. You know, there's a system of, of moves and techniques that we like to use that a lot of the guys use. But they really do a great job of tailoring everything individually to people. So everybody's different, right? Like some guys, they need a little more structure. They need, all right, I want you to drill this 10 times. I want you to drill this 10 times. Now do this 10 times. And, and they need that. Like me, you get me in there, like show, show me some, some stuff and I'm going to apply that right away. Mm-hmm. Like you, you show me this different technique that or this little adjustment I should make. I don't even really need to drill it. Like I'm just going to do it. And, you know, it, it helps to, to drill it. So I, I'll still do some, but I think the ratio of, of drilling to kind of light sparring to live wrestling is adjustable for individuals, mm-hmm. which that just takes effort. So they're putting more effort into doing that. Um, spending time with guys who need more time, spending less time with guys who maybe need less. They're just flexible. And uh, I think that most coaches, it's like, Get in, this is what we're doing, boom, 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 mm-hmm. done. Check check the list, we're out. So it's a little bit more of an open-minded attitude. It's way more open-minded, and it's it's just what makes sense. It's like, all right, well, what makes sense for me at 197 pounds isn't going to be the same. It was what makes sense for 125, who is a freshman who's 500 record. Like, he needs something different than me, you know? So mm-hmm. that's what they do. They give him different, different mm-hmm. um, I guess, kind of coaching. How often do you learn something new? Let's say you're, let's say you're, let's go to your freshman year. Yeah. How often are you, Kale or one of the other coaches going like, hey, here's an actual new move for you as opposed to like, hey, you can clean up your double. You can clean up this. You can clean up this. Is there new moves that come in where you're like, yo, I did not know that. Cause the crazy thing about jujitsu is I've been training jujitsu for a long time, like a quarter century. And I've been, we've been up here at this camp and I learned like 20 new things. And so I'm talking things where I was like, Oh, I, that's totally new to me. I did not know that. And it's the same with, you know, there's black belts here that have been training for 30, 35 years right. and they'll all be going, Oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. How, how much is there? of that when you were at Penn State? A ton, a ton, especially my, my freshman year early. It was like, I really learned a whole different way to wrestle. I was like, I think back about it, I was like, I didn't even know how to wrestle. <laughs> you know, in high school, I'm like, I'll watch film and I'm like, what was I doing? And then my freshman year of college, I still think that. So I'm, I'm kind of doing this little series where I go back over all my college wrestling matches and I break them down. It's so tough for me. Mm. So I'm just like, I suck. There's I was freaking, so bad. There's a freaking uh, video of me on the internet, and I'm competing against Jeff Monson in, yeah. in grappling. And it was like a 13-minute match yeah. because it was triple overtime because it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Okay. Triple overtime. The, the thing on YouTube is cut down to like 2 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and I watch it, and I'm just absolutely Ugh. like humiliated and embarrassed because I look so terrible. I, know, yeah. I look so bad. And I mean, I'm not actually humiliated. I'm like, Oh, you know, that guy, that guy's a 
good wrestler, a great <laughs> grappler. He's yeah. an ADCC world champion. Right. And he's he had a, a really incredible vitamin program that he was on because <laughs> he was completely insanely <laughs> jacked. Uh, uh, but a great competitor. But when I look at it, I'm like, God, I was terrible, terrible. That's what I feel like. So that's what you do. You're doing now, just yeah, breaking stuff down. Absolutely, you ridiculous. You know, yeah, it's it's insane. And and so I think that combat sports are so cool because you can always do that. Mm-hmm. You can always get better, even if you know 99% of everything there is to know. You're never gonna learn that one percent mm-hmm. fully. You're gonna you know maybe creep up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and. Uh, you know, for me, it, 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 I love learning. Learning is one of the biggest reasons that I got into MMA because, you know, it's new. I get to learn jujitsu. I get to learn Muay Thai. I get to learn boxing, all this stuff. Like, that's so fun and exciting for me. And that's how I felt when I got to Penn State. I was like, you know, kind of come out of college, high school. I haven't lost in a while. I'm pretty good, man. And then you get in, and I was competitive right away, but I wasn't trying to be competitive. And so I was like, wow, I need to learn how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to wrestle for real because I don't know. So it, it, you, I, I wasn't really, it's not that classic scenario of, oh, you go in, you get whipped up and everybody's kicking your butt and you can't score a point. Like I was scoring and stuff. Was I beating the best guys in the room? No. Were they whipping me? A little bit, yeah. But I was scoring on, on a lot of guys and doing well, but I realized quick if I wanted to get to where those guys were or where I wanted to be, I needed to learn a lot about wrestling. <laughs> uh, so you get done your red shirt year. Now you go into your, I guess this would be called your freshman year, right? Yeah. 2015, 2016, you're 174 pounds. Um, how's that season go? So when I look back on that season, um, it was just such a different play. I had to grow so I didn't, I wish I could have grown that much in my red shirt season mm. because I think as a red shirt, you just don't really know what that's like. And, and then you get thrown into it a little bit competing every weekend and, and feeling the pressure, feeling 10,000 people in the crowd. And, you know, that's something that I just think for the most part, I did the same thing that I'd always been doing in high school. I'm like, let's just go get it. Let's just throw mm. down. Like I'm ready to go. And, uh, I was meeting with our sports psych, every single week, like, you know, trying to figure myself out mentally, trying to figure out how I wanted to compete, just, but I was doing all that for the result. I wanted the result. I wanted to be a national champion. And and that's not a bad thing, but that was what I was focused on. Whereas I needed to learn just to let go of that and just get better and improve and, and do my best. And then the result will come. Mm-hmm. But all that year, it was does so- that remo- Does that somehow remove pressure? I won't say it removes pressure. It just gives you a different perspective of it because at first it would be like, so this is what I was doing. I was saying to myself and in my matches, all right, I'm at the best program in the world. I have the best coaches and the best training partners in the world. And these are all the reasons I should win. So I'm going to go out there and compete in this guy against this guy. And I'm coping and wrapping my head around what's about to happen by telling myself I should win because of these reasons. When in reality, what I needed to be doing and what I realized that I should be doing is, one, the guy who's gonna win isn't the guy with the best training partners, the guy that um, has the best coaches, the guy that 
works the hardest. It's not the guy with the most heart. It's just the guy that scores more points. It's the guy that gets his hand raised. Like it's the guy that wins the match. Like it's it's a it's a match. So that's what I'm trying to do. It doesn't have like none of this stuff. Like yeah, it maybe it affects it, but it, that's not why the outcome happens. It's just who scores. Like okay, I have two points. You have zero. I win. Like that's it. And uh, so, and and that's based on effort in that moment and being present. So you know, I think I would kind of just in my mind not be very present and that, that's why I got the results I did because in, in the NCAA finals I'm wrestling a guy I, so yeah fast forward mm-hmm. I have a good year you, you you start the season ranked 14th I start 14 I start smoking guys I'm just better than them mm-hmm. and you know I, I come into a little bit of a bump halfway through the year I lose to a kid from Indiana that w- wasn't nearly as good as me but I had a bad match I'm a freshman devastated me now I can't be undefeated mm-hmm. what am I going to cry about it no I guess still got Big Ten's NCAA so I just move on and uh Big Ten tournament, crush it, kill it. NCAs, I'm feeling it. I'm like mm. number one seed. I'm a freshman. This is Madison Square Garden. This is a big deal. Like, like, and, and in my mind, the coping mechanism was every match, I should win because I have better this and that. And then I get to the finals against a guy who I've wrestled at this point probably five times. Mm-hmm. Big Ten tournament two weeks earlier, first period, throw him down, pin him. Easy money. And uh, I go onto the match, and that—that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, all right, I got—I I work harder than this dude. I know I'm more disciplined than him. I just beat him. I just beat him. Stuck him. Yeah, pinned him, <laughs> killed him. Like never have even been really competitive with this guy. I have better coaches, better training partners. Like more fans want me to win. Like like I can make every up make up every excuse in the book. I'm like giving myself excuses to win. And uh, so then you know, wrestle the match. And there's, there's a big moment in the match. So right away, I go for a crazy throw. He takes me down. And uh, which I'm like, whatever, I don't care. We'll get up. And and then and, in and me, in my mind, it was like almost back to what I was saying earlier about in high school. I would go out to just like, let's get it. I'm going to go for broke when I, I didn't really have to almost as like a just an, another excuse. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going for it. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to give up. Like, but I really wasn't going to... To win it was it was a weird mental thing and so get taken down i come back up take him down and now i'm rolling so i'm like all right i'm, I'm about to win this match like no doubt i have an underhook i'm going far knee pick and, and we're going out of bounds and i'm running through him and i'm like oh i'm about to freaking crush this dude plant him on the mat get a takedown probably get near fall and seal seal this up and for some reason you know i just get my arm trapped Boom, rolled through right onto my back. And I'm just like, what is going on? What just happened? It was the only time I've ever wrestled in a match and not really been super aware and known what is going on mm-hmm. and like been like known how much time's left, known where I'm at on the mat. It like just completely dis dis I was in disarray. Mm-hmm. And uh I get off the mat. Was it like overconfidence in that moment? I think it was just not being present. Mm-hmm. I think it was either it, it, it was I was either in the in the past or in the future. You're I wasn't like, in that moment. Either already the champ or I already worked harder. Yeah, so. yeah. I wasn't locked into like get it done right here. You know, this all that matters is right now. It, it was it was I was just not there. And so boom, rolled through and I get up and I'm like almost almost like literally dizzy. And uh 
then, but, and I don't even know how much time's left on the match. So where, where I lost this match, it wasn't even in getting thrown. I go back down and then there was whatever, 20 seconds left in the period and I get rode out. If I would just got an escape right there, I guarantee you I win the match. Mm-hmm. Even though I was losing uh, at that point, 10 to four or something like that, I think. And uh, so I end up losing. Um, I, I come back, the guy runs from me the whole third period, but I just can't get to him. I lose 11 to nine. I had no idea what the score was at the time. I had 15 seconds. All I needed was one takedown, mm-hmm. and I could have tied it up. And uh, it was just, I just didn't know where I was at. I couldn't wrap my head back. So that was, you know, I said my freshman year of high school was devastating. This was like 10 times that mm-hmm. because I'm in front of this huge crowd. It's this, it's really my biggest goal, right? This is what, I'm, what I've been thinking about as my biggest goal. It's four-time national champion. And uh, if I don't win my first one, it's done. It's like, I got three more years, but it's done. And so there was legitimate, probably three months of, of real depression after that, where in my head, I just, I just didn't know what to do. I'm like, what is the point of this? I freaking went to a sports psych for 40 weeks in a row, all to get second. Like, well, that was stupid. Waste of time. Like, how dumb was that? And, uh, you know, put all this effort in, like, you know, wrestled for, 15 years to go out and beat get beat by this guy like what is wrong with me and just very very negative very like depressed and just kind of like don't want to do anything sitting in bed like i would have this was the worst is i would have dreams where or i would have a nightmare where like i would lose like what would happen in real life happened but what was worse was i would have dreams where i won oh it would be like, I would be dreaming and I'd be like, oh, I won the match. I'd wake up and I'd be like, I would just like start crying. Like, I almost cry right now thinking about it. But yeah, it was like, uh, it was terrible. So I'd have to wake up to this reality of, uh, you know, all right, yeah, I lost. And I got to probably end of July, early August. And I just remember one day being like, in, waking up and just being like, dude, are you going to cry about this for the rest of your freaking life? Are you going to be a wimp? Are you going to quit? You're just going to like be done. Like, that's it. And then I was like, hell no, I ain't doing that. Like, like, let's, let, let's get back on the horse. So then I have to reset and I'm thinking, what is the, what can I do to kind of make up for this? What can I do to like make up for this? And so I'm thinking, all right, well, 184, which is the weight above me is the toughest weight in the country. And not only is it the toughest weight as far as depth, but it's got the number one pound for pound guy in the country, Gabe Dean from Cornell, at this weight. I was like, I need to reset, rechallenge myself. I'm going up to 184, and I'm winning. I'm winning that. Like I'm, that, that's what I'm doing. And so now it was, I wouldn't even say solve what was going on with me internally. It was reassess, create a new goal, and now just chase that and kind of just let that fill in this void that had been left in me. You, that makes sense. you needed a new mission. I needed a new mission because I didn't, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. And, uh, I, I had no motivation for like, I was like, what, what's going to motive? What's going to get me excited mm-hmm. to compete again? And so it was this, it was like this, this big challenge of beating the number one pound for pound guy in the country and winning the toughest weight in the country. Like that's what I had to do. And how'd your coaches feel about this? What can say to that? <laughs> so I told him, I was like, Coach, I'm going up to 84. And he was like, um, I think we want you at 74. Um, so why don't you know you certify at 74? And I was like, we'll see. 
I certified at 184.0. <laughs> I was like, I'm not giving you guys one shred of uh, hope that I'm going 174 this year because I'm, I'm committed to this. I'm all in. Because we did have a really good guy at 184 who's a good friend of mine. And uh, I was like, this is going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm a team guy. Like we had, we had won the team national title in my freshman year. That was very important to me. We had, you know, and so, but I was like, I see it from a different perspective as you. You know, we have a couple of good guys coming in at 74. My guy, 84, he can move up to 97. This is going to be good, and I'm going to kill it. So as long as I win, everything else is going to work out. What do you walk around at? At that, at, point, at that point? So at that point, I probably walked around at 184. Sure. Yeah. So I cut a little weight my freshman year. Um, I was a little lighter. I was probably 180. But yeah, I was weighing about 184, 185. Did you change anything in the way you were training? Uh, going up. Well, not just going up, but now that you had this loss, you had this new goal, were you going harder? Were you working harder? Did you step up your game? I always worked, you know, basically did everything I could. I was always super intrinsically motivated, but I think that my mindset changed from being like a, you know, more wild type of competitor, try to try to throw you big moves to just... I need to dominate these mm-hmm. guys. I need to get consistent. Mm-hmm. I need to get my main focus that summer was get an attack, like a leg attack that's consistent that nobody could stop. Because I didn't really have that up to that point. I had tr- a lot of tricks. I had a lot of sneaky stuff, mm-hmm. and that really got me to where I was. But I was like, I need one go-to that nobody in the world can stop. And you know, a lot of people say that about different stuff. Like, what's your thing that nobody can nobody can defend? And so that's what I worked on. It was righty collar tie, lefty high C. The whole summer i probably drilled it i drilled it 90 percent of my drills was that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah uh so then that season starts and you 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 crush yeah i'm crushing it i'm like knocking it out of the park right um i think my first seven or eight matches i pinned every single guy i was like on a roll um a couple big moments i'm wrestling uh my first match in carver hawkeye arena and i'm wrestling sammy brooks so this is kind of funny i uh a couple, I got to say a couple pre-stories before I sit, get into the match, but back to when I was getting recruited um, and I, I committed to Penn State, I have to call all the coaches. I call Tom Brands, right? And uh, I'm like, hey, coach, I just want to let you know and, that I'm going to be committing to Penn State. I didn't want you to see it on Twitter or something. I wanted to tell you, uh, you know, myself. And he's like, okay, well, you know, appreciate it. Thank you for, for doing that. Um, are you sure like this is where you want to go and stuff? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's like, okay, okay, that's fine. You know, as long as you're not competing against the Hawks, we'll be rooting for you, but we'll see you on the mats. Mm -hmm. I just remember he said, we'll see you on the mats. And I was like, see you on the mats. And then I roll into Carver. It's insane. They're yelling crazy stuff at me. You know, the fans are going nuts. They're throwing trash. It's like wild. It's like, what is going on? This is ridiculous. You're going down, mother effer. Like, get ready to freaking get smoked. Like, what's going on? Like, like, obviously, I'm not cursing, but they're cursing and stuff. And uh, so I walk out, and the fire's got, they got like yeah, flamethrowers. It's, it's insane. And uh, I get on the mat, and I'm like, seeing you on the mats. So we're here. Let's do it. And, uh, but, oh, sorry, I missed, I missed, uh, I, I had to say one other thing. So I'm wrestling Sammy Brooks. So he was, I think Big Ten champion. He was maybe number. I think I was number two in the country. He was number. He was top five, maybe three or four. And uh, I don't know why, but I didn't really cut weight. Like I said, 
for some reason, the night before that match, I just randomly was the heaviest I'd ever been in my entire life. I was like 192. I was like, it was something weird with the travel and mm. I had a smoothie at Smoothie King in the Chicago airport. That'll do it. And I think it did it. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? Like, I've never, I had to work out like two or three extra times. And so going in the match, I'm like, these guys are all yelling how they're going to get me tired. I was like, I better not get tired. Like, <laughs> this is not going to be good. Um, and, and right before that, are we, we, did they know you were off weight? They didn't know. Did nobody they? knew. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody. Okay. My coaches didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I didn't tell <sure>. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it. But, uh, so we, we took our, we had a kid, a true freshman. His name is Mark Hall. He was like the number one recruit in the country come out of high school. We pulled his red shirt in the, in the match before, like his first varsity match. And, uh, he lost. He got upset. Damn. And it was crazy. It was like the crowd was going. What was the decision to pull his red shirt? So they, they had been somebody t- got hurt or something? They had been talking about it the whole year, but basically the team race was pretty tight. And uh, they kind of, and, and Mark wrestled at the Southern Scuffle, which is like kind of the premier tournament of the midseason. And he won. And he beat all the starters from the other schools. And so they were like, this might be a good option. Like Let's we might, do it. we might need to let him, let our horses run. And so boom, pull the red shirt boom loses and then they're like at their all-time peak of excitement as iowa fans because the duel is i think they're up maybe like 18 16 something like that and uh we have our our next three matches are all kind of toss-ups because me and sammy are top five the next two guys are like top top 10 guys and our heavyweight's a toss-up match and uh so they're thinking like we're gonna win all three of these we got momentum let's go i'm like all right bro i'm gonna show you something real quick Mm -hmm. so i just knew I knew the way he wrestles, Sammy Brooks, he's so aggressive. I'm like, dude, this dude can't not shoot on me. Like, he's going to shoot on me. I'm going to freaking stick him in something. Mm. And Especially there in front of that crowd, everyone going, yeah. you know, you're going to I'm shoot. like, this dude's coming in hot. Like, I'm, and I'm like, that's perfect for my style. My style is great. If you attack me, forget about it. You're not mm. going to beat me. You got you to gotta play it smart, play it safe, and try to sneak one in on me. Like, that's, that's was really people's only chance to, to get me. And so, um, Boom, single leg right away. Beautiful single leg. In my mind, I'm thinking, dang, that was a nice shot. Whatever, let's go. And so he just makes a mistake, steps his leg up wrong, boom, catch him, pin him, splatle. It was crazy. <sighs> Everybody, I'm going nuts. The crowd, all of a sudden, silent. I give him a little bit. I'm like, what's up, y'all? And then, and then Coach Kale goes, hey, knock that off. Like, he's yelling at me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Let's get off the mat. And so just this crazy whirlwind. Coach so, Kale don't play that kind nah, of stuff. Nah, he don't play that. No, so got, got that win. Big win for me. And uh, now, you know, we, we kind of go, me and, me and this dude, Gabe Dean from Cornell, like on a tear towards each other. I go into the Big Ten tournament, rated number one, number one, and I'm like, I, I think that I wrestled maybe 20 matches, 20, 22 matches, and I've had like 17 pins. It's like crazy. Like I'm pinning everybody. And uh, like I pinned Sammy Brooks. I pinned the Oklahoma State kid. I probably pinned like three or four top five guys. And so going into the Big Tens, I'm feeling confident. I'm like, all right, let's go. I have a bye. I'm in the quarters. And then, boom, I have to wrestle the Ohio State kid who beat me the year before. I wrestled him in the duel earlier and, and beat him up 8-2 to two or something. And so I'm feeling good and uh, not really nervous at all. And uh, we go in and, and we're wrestling and, and I take him down right away. And I'm like, all right, I like, kind of got this on lock. And, uh, boom, he takes me down. And then it's tied. And I'm like, okay, like this is a little more competitive. And he shoots in on my, my leg and I freaking, like, my LCL just, boom, pops. And I'm like, what the hell was that? I don't even know what that was. But whatever, like, let's keep going. And I, like, just kind of struggling. And then the match just, it was a weird match. Just gets away from me. 
and he and he get and I, and I can't and I don't take him down. He beats me five to four, and I'm like, what just happened? Like, I I just lost. Like, well, that's crazy. And I remember g- going off the mat, and and it was weird because what tournament was this? This is the Big Tens. It's like in the quarterfinals of the Big Tens, and it was just kind of unexpected. And I wasn't really that nervous for the match. And after I lost, I felt so weird. I was like, I just was like, it wasn't upsetting like my other losses it was like uh i just couldn't really i just felt like i didn't know what happened i I just didn't know why i lost and i was like all right well i'm just gonna move on i guess i don't know it was was, i've never felt like that after a loss and so go the rest of the tournament i take third he's wrestling the kid from iowa in the finals and he loses and he goes in the back i just remember this so vividly he goes in the back and he's like yelling, like screaming, so pissed. And I just remember feeling like, all right, I need to figure out how to, like, I'm not going to deal with losses like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, that's not really what I'm going to do. And I was like kind of finding myself also with my faith at this time. And, you know, my faith was always something that was very important growing up and something that I really tapped into a lot. But I was really learning a lot about it in this in this kind of time period of my life as well. I was having uh, Bible studies with some close friends and really diving into what that meant to me and just kind of thinking about life on a bigger level outside of wrestling. And so um, actually my third, fourth match, I was wrestling a dude from Nebraska and I hit him in like a sick, uh, like a judo throw and I completely tear my LCL. Like my knee is like this and it goes, or like my knee's here and my foot's here and it just goes, like I'll show you a video after it's, awful but tear my lcl completely i can barely walk and uh but i i I won and i got third and so now i'm thinking i'm like how am i gonna get ready for the NCAA tournament like i still gotta go win like i'm not really okay i lost cool move on whatever and uh i i I still got the NCAA. i think that's why maybe i was able to refocus because i still was had this goal of being ncaa champion and you know it, it, it i was like i can still do this so i take the two weeks my I'm not really training. I can't really train at all. I'm just doing rehab. And then we get to the tournament. And uh, I just felt like through all the growth that I'd done in, in my faith and all the growth that I was doing just in myself personally, at just a great place mentally and not feeling pressure on myself the way I was before. And I didn't really know why 100% in that moment. But first round, boom, tech fall. Second round, I'm wrestling uh, the kid from Nebraska. <laughs> who I wrestled at, at the Big Tens. He was an NCAA finalist, multiple All-American. Pin him, semifinals, or wait, no, no, second round, sorry, I wrestled Binghamton, pinned him. Third round, I wrestled Nebraska, pin him. Fourth round, I'm wrestling the Iowa kid that I pinned earlier in the year. And I just knew, I was like, dude, this guy's good. He's not gonna be able to stay off his back. I just know it. 60 seconds, boom, pin him. So I went tech, pin, pin, pin to the finals. <laughs> At the, and I'm just killing it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not losing. There's zero chance. So confident. Watching at the same time, I had four other teammates make the finals all in a row. So 49, 57, 65, 74, then me. Jeez. There's only been up to this point three teams to ever have five guys in the finals, and we were, we were the third. And I'm watching Gabe Dean wrestle, and he's having like tight match here, tight match there. Semis is kind of close. And I'm like, yo, I got this dude. Like, you're done, bro. So the entire year I'm visual I always visualize myself and Gabe Dean wrestling last match. So I knew it was gonna be boom. He's the senior, 
I'm like pretty hyped up. So they're gonna make this the last match of, of the of the night. And uh, I would do this because <laughs> my buddy he laughs at this story because uh, me and me and my, my best friend Tony, he was on the team as well. We would w- be walking back to the parking lot, um, and it was like probably a maybe a little over a quarter mile to our car from from wrestling. And I would always hand in my backpack. Didn't matter. I'd be like in jeans and boots or whatever. It'd be snowing. And I would just dead sprint like all the way to the car. And I'd come back and get him. And he didn't know why. But the whole year I would do this, it would just be in my mind. I'd be like, Gabe Dean ain't doing this. Mm-hmm. Like I'd finish the whole practice and then just like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just something dumb. But in my mind now, I get to this point. And uh, so they, boom, they start at 197. They're finishing at 84 with us. And uh, so I'm just thinking, all right, uh, I'm just, you know, very clear in my mind what I'm going to do. Everything's good. We get to 149, boom, Zane Rutherford, our guy, kills it. One Wins. 157, boom, Jason Nolf kills it, wins. 65, Vincenzo Joseph, big match. He's wrestling Isaiah Martinez, pins him, insane upset. He had lost to him a couple times, wins. I'm like, what the hell? We're three for three, let's go. 74, so I'm on deck. Mark Hall, our guy that we pulled red shirt, he's in the finals against Ohio State kid who beat him in the Big Tens a couple weeks earlier. Crazy match, boom, wins four in a row and i'm like guys i got this like <laughs> it's over like don't they're, they're, it was the only match i've ever had only wrestling match i've ever had where a bad thought a negative thought could not creep and penetrate my mind there was never a oh what if i lose or oh what if this happens like you know every time you compete something like that comes in your mind but it was so sound and so clear to me because of how much visualization i did and how just I knew what was going to happen and I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I just knew I was going to win. And so boom, go out of the match, takes me down. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell? But in my mind, I was just like, that was a great shot. Like I couldn't do anything about that. Whatever. Get up. There's, you know, a minute left in the period. I get away right away. And then I think, all right, let's just get one on this guy. So boom, take him, take him down. Kind of a, a, Weird little, I shot a single leg, which is not really to the left, which is not really a shot I hit, but I just pulled it in and finished it because I don't know, I've never even done that ever like in a match before. I just did it in the NSA finals because I felt like it. But uh, take him down, and then there's 30 seconds left in the period, and I'm like, all right, I gotta ride the suit out. So I'll ride him out, go into the second period, three two, and I'm like, it's over. You're, he's not gonna, he's not gonna beat me. So get to the last 30 seconds. He shoots in on my leg, gets in deep. This is second period? This is third period. So third second period. period, I think he got an escape. Third period, I got an escape, something like that. And so I'm up 4-3. 30, 20, 30 seconds left, shoots in on my leg. And I watch back on video, and I'm like, oh, that was like kind of close. But I just scramble in, and I was just so calm. I was like, he's not taking me down. No shot. But boom, I uh, am scrambling. He kind of gets in the position. I roll. I look up in the clock, and I've got both his ankles. He's got both my ankles. And it's just like four seconds and i'm like four seconds and it's like three two one boom match over and i'm like i'm the champ i did it i did it (laughs) like that's it like let's go like that's crazy so go hug my coaches like not even really a big celebration i was like wow like that's crazy go hug the coaches and um it feels amazing right like it feels great and uh then what was so interesting to me about this whole process is I felt like finally that wrong from last year was righted. Like I, I made it right and, and we're all good now. And then like a couple of days later, I was like, oh, I don't really care. 
like, it's over. Like, <laughs> that was cool that I did that. I'm glad I did it, but what's next? You know, and, and what it really taught me, it taught me that I cannot be so result oriented. I can't, I, I, it's okay to care about the outcome, have goals, things like that. That's all you have to, right? But my identity and my foundation can't lie in results mm-hmm. because the feeling of winning fades so fast, the feeling of losing fades, albeit slower, but, but th- those are just feelings that, that they're gonna fade. And so why would I wrap up so much of my self-worth in that? And then it was like, boom, switch flipped in my mind of what I need to focus on in, in competing and how I need to approach my sport. And uh, after that, it was like, I had so much fun. Because before I was having some fun, but it was more stressful than fun. After that, it was like, this is, this is good. <laughs> so are you like now, since you're not focused on the results, it's the summertime, it's the fall, you're starting the season, you're just in practice. Does this mean every practice you're like, you're just focused on effort and working in this particular practice that I'm in right now? So for me, the, the effort and the work was never an issue. That was never something where I was like, needed motivation to work mm-hmm. hard. I was always the guy that was gonna go 100%. Like mm-hmm. there was never a situation where that wasn't gonna happen. So. For me, it was more just relax, have some fun. Like, let's enjoy this. If, if I'm, I, I'm choosing to do all this, so let's have fun. Let's, let's smile. Let's like have a good time. And, and even if I'm in a grueling workout, even if I'm doing something where we're going a 45 minute go and I'm wrestling Coach Kale and we're, we're at each other, it's okay. Like, let's smile. Let's be like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's go. And I also think that what helped me too was I was compartmentalizing my life a bit with my relationship with God and my faith. And it was like, that's what I would do on Sundays and Wednesdays. And, you know, I'd pray before meals, but like, that was that. And, and I realized I was like, okay, this is my life. And if my faith is as important to me as it is, let's see what happens when I invite God into my wrestling, because I wanted to control that. I was like, I'm in control of this wrestling stuff. But what if I was like, all right, God, I'm in the middle of practice and it's me and you here. Like, thank you. Like, like kind of, you know praise him a little bit, thank him a little bit for, for in those moments. And, and that's what kind of I do now continuously is like, I don't ever feel like I have compartments of my life where, all right, this is business, this is wrestling, or this is fighting, and this is my faith, and this is my family. It's like, I'm just the same person all the time. And my, my values and character that I take into one, I take into the next. And that really relieved a lot of stress from me and it made everything way more fun. Yeah. So it sounds like it's more of enjoying the process and not thinking, I have to do this because I want that. It's I get to do this and that other thing will come. For sure. It's all gratitude. It's all you know, found, founded on that kind of just being grateful for everything that I have and then just enjoying it, having fun, smiling because... I could do anything I want to do. So if I choose to do this, I'm going to have a good time. I'm not going to dread it or hate it or be fearful. Um, even that's, and that's how I feel. I, I've carried that same mentality into the rest of my wrestling career, into my fights. It's all, you know, I'm doing this because I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So let's have a good time. And, but it's not that, so it keeps that, that fun kind of free spirit, but 
I'm also not at that point where I use it as an excuse, you know, what, what, like what I did when I was, as a kid, like, I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. It's like, no, you know, that's not really it either. It's, it's not all, it's all fun. Like, like I'm here to win. Like, there's no doubt about that. Like when it's time to compete, we can get down and it can get serious real quick, but that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you could also take that to practice too. We're like, oh, this isn't really fun. I don't want to do another few rounds. Yeah. Like, that's not fun for me, so I'm going to go uh, stop practice. It's not like that. Like, I, the fun for me is doing things that other people aren't willing to do. Like, I'm going to do everything that you're not willing to do, and then the results will speak for themselves. And uh, I just like pushing myself too. To, like, it's just fun to to push myself and do things that, are really freaking difficult. I feel like if you're not struggling, if you're not do, struggling in life in some way, like what are you doing? You want to just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and everything's plush and comfy? Like that's not real. So I don't know. That's to me. I I want to like live real life. So you roll into your next season. It's 2017, 2018. You're still at 184 pounds, and you're just kind of crushing now. Yeah. So I'm crushing on a roll. I wrestled the the my little rival from Ohio State a few times. Whipped him. And uh, really the whole story of that year, it wasn't me, it was the teams. Ohio State had a stacked team. So they got a couple of transfers in, in addition to the guys they already had. And in, in reality, if you look at it, it was the greatest team race ever in NCAA wrestling history, just with the guys that they had, the guys that we had. And uh, two big moments really stand out. That, that we had a duel with Ohio State, people call it like duel, of, it was a duel of the century. and. At Rec Hall, 6,500 people sold out. It was insane. And Ohio State, we do the, you know, handshake before the match and stuff. And they roll out. They're all wearing these bright red robes. And they're got the, their, their hood up. And they're standing in a, like a one by one at the end of the mat. And it's like this sea of white and blue. And then these 10 guys in like red robes. And we walk out. And I just remember being like, at this point, you know, good place mentally. Our team is very tight, very close. And I'm like, what's with these guys? <laughs> like, are they for real? Because like our thing is we huddle up before each of us go to face off. And we're like grabbing each other like, all right, brother, like, let's go. Let's get it. Let's have some fun. And like the one guy's like, just get massaged. And then we're like, all right. And then he sends out. Then he'll shake hands. And you mm-hmm. go in order, 25, 33, 41, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're like, I'm like, all right, bro, chill. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that big a deal. But what had happened Two weeks earlier, that made it competitive was our 157 pounder who was Nolf. Jason, mm-hmm. he tore his PCL. So he was not competing at that point. We thought he was maybe going to be done for the season. And so we're like, all right, that's like a 10 point swing right there. He's probably going to get a pin. Now we got to throw a backup and he's probably going to lose major decisions. So that's not good. But uh, anyway, so the, du- the duel's going. We're kind of getting beat up like at the beginning. We're getting beat up. We're, we, we lose the close matches. And then. Uh, it comes to Mark, uh, the guy um, that was the weight below me. He, he wins, so we got a little momentum now. We're like, all right, let's go. And uh, then I come up, and I'm wrestling Miles. And uh, first minute of the, or no, first two minutes of the match, we're getting like a crazy scramble. He almost takes me down, but then I just get out of it, and I freaking get him. I take him down. I'm like, all right, nice. I know if I get the first takedown on this dude, like, he, he breaks. Like, I, I'm going to get him. The longer the match goes, if it's close, I'm going to win. If I'm winning, obviously, then it's going to spread the gap. But So I get that on him. And then, uh, so I'm winning the match pretty comfortably. I think I'm up 8-2. to two. There's 
20 seconds left and I'm on top. I'm just holding them down. Everybody's cheering. And I'm like, oh, dang, I can, I, or no, no, I'm up, I'm up seven to two, but I have a riding time point. So now I'm like, if I get a turn here, I can, uh, I can get the major decision, get an extra mm-hmm. point. And so I just think in my mind, I was like, who's the best guy? And this is all happening in like a split second. I was like, who's the best guy I know on top? Oh, it's Zane. What would Zane do? And Zane's bow and arrow guy. So he gets a freaking, so I, I look back, his ankles just sitting there, boom, grab a bow and arrow, put him on his back. As time's expiring, it's like three, two, one. The guy's like, one, two, get my two near fall, boom. Goes up on the board. I'm like, oh crap, let's go, made a decision. And uh, got that extra point for my team. So now I'm like fired up. I'm like, let's go, let's get it. And then the next match, 197, they got the number one kid in the country, right? Colin Moore. And our guy uh, is my best friend. He's best man at my wedding. I'm gonna be best man at his wedding in a, a couple months, Anthony Kassar. He had just lost a wrestle off to another one of our teammates on Monday, but our other teammate got hurt. So he's kind of like the backup, the backup. At, at this point. But I know Anthony, I'm like, yo, this dude's a freaking, like he can win. And uh, it's a great matchup. So, but nobody knows this besides honestly, probably me and him. Like even our coaches, I don't even know if they thought he could win. But he goes out and uh, literally the entire time, everybody's like on their feet. And uh, first period's like zero, zero, boom, gets a takedown. And then second period, uh, it's like three, two, short time left. And then uh, Colin Moore like gets in deep on a shot. Anthony like belly wizards him, spins around him, boom, takes him down again. He's up 5-2. It's like 20 seconds left. And everybody's freaking out like, no, he's got it. And so, boom, wins the match. Crazy Selly. Everybody's losing their minds. We're up 19 to, I think it's 19 to 14 or 19 to 15. Yeah, 19 to 14. So heavyweight comes now. We got Nick Neville, who's a good wrestler, couple-time All-American. They come out with Kyle freaking Snyder, who's one of my best friends, <laughs> but obviously enemy at this point. Kyle freaking Snyder, Olympic gold medalist, multiple-time world champion, NCAA freaking dominator. Like, I'm like, crap. Like, he's tech-followed Nick multiple times, like, but he, ha- he has to pin him or tech him for us to, for them to win. And uh, Kyle... I love him. I love him to death. He trains with us now at Nanyang Wrestling Club. Um, he lives in. He came to the the good side, but uh, he was like talking mad trash before this match, like this whole year. Like he was saying stuff. There's no team on earth I would rather beat than Penn State. We're coming yeah. for you guys. Y'all best be ready. He posted like some uh, like tombstone clips, like I'm coming, hell's coming with me, that type of stuff. And I'm like, all right, Kyle, time to get time to get it. Like let's see what you got. You got to pin our pin our boy, but. So we'll see. So right away, and, and Kyle's like a dude, high energy, just a tank. Comes out, he's, he's getting after it. Boom, our dude single legs him, takes him down. Ooh. Crowd goes nuts. Everybody's, oh my gosh, what's going on? He just took down the Olympic gold medalist. What's going on? Boom, Kyle gets away, starts taking our guy down. And I'm like, oh, frick. <laughs> Come on. So he's probably up six to two, six to four, or something like that, second period. And, uh, then he gets a little crazy and, and he's small, like he's two, 230-ish. Our guy's like a 265 heavyweight and uh, he goes for a lateral drop. Boom, falls right on his back. <laughs> Neville lands on him, takes him down and then everybody's freaking out again. Oh my gosh. And now he's like making Kyle work to get up. He's got a lot of weight on him. So he starts getting a little tired, but then uh, he kind of gets back on it. Starts racking up points, racking up takedowns. And uh, so now that we're just count down the second second periods ends we got two minutes mm-hmm. he just gotta like and, and it's somewhat tight of a match it's 
10 to 6, something. So as long as it doesn't get blown out. As long as it doesn't get blown out, he's only got two minutes to do it. So we're like watching, oh, Kyle's shooting, going so crazy, trying to take him down, take him down. Seconds are taking, seconds are taking, seconds are taking. He's, he's racked up a few takedowns. It's 14 to 8 or something. And uh, there's like 30 seconds left. And he gets in on the leg and he's like trying to take him down, trying to take him down. And our guy's like defending, defending on his feet. Boom, sprawls on him, big sprawl. Everybody freaks out. There's still 20 <laughs> seconds left, but we know now. It's like, it's done. It's over. He's not going to get it. And it was just the craziest <laughs> duel ever. You know, we win. People are like crying in the stands. <laughs> like, like moms are just like holding their babies in there. Like, it's just insane. It's like, what's, we're just jumping up and down. The, me and the lion, the Nitty Lion, the mascot are just hugging each other. We're like, let's go. Come on. Like, just freaking out, going insane. So we, we beat these dudes and then uh, do the Big Ten tournament national tournaments coming now this is like freaking big deal and and we didn't really match up that well in the in the team race because they had 10 top to bottom like beasts mm. and we were like kind of a little top heavy we, we had a lot of good guys um like like finalist champion type guys but our depth wasn't there and so basically we uh we're in like a super tight team race we get to the finals we have we have do we have we have four in the finals I think it's me Mark Zane Nolf no we have five in the finals again no yeah yeah we have five again in the finals so we got to win we have to win three of these matches and um I have to win because I'm wrestling boom my rival again Ohio State and they they made uh, Snyder the last match so it was his senior year heavyweight and uh, so he could kind of go out um, on his him as the last match and he's he's wrestling a big a uh, uh, rival to it from Michigan, but basically the way it'll go down is if Ohio State win, Kyle's gonna win. So if if it's gonna come down to to my match, so we win our our first two and then lose lose at sixty five seventy four. So now it's me and Miles, and it's like this is for the national championship as a team. Like this whole year is like coming down to this match, and uh, I'm freaking nervous. I'm like. <laughs> I hadn't really felt this a lot, um, but this whole tournament, for some reason, I got so caught up in the team team part of it. I wasn't wrestling well, and uh, if I would have just went out and pinned a couple guys, like we would have had it already locked up. But I didn't freaking. I was watching like all of every single guy of ours mm-hmm. wrestle and every single guy of theirs. So I got so wrapped up in this team race. My coaches kept having to like pull me pull me back off the floor, <laughs> go sit down, like yelling at me and stuff. And I'm like. Oh, like I, I want it so bad for for the team, and uh, because th- to me it was always like a personal thing, me winning versus other guys. But when I started to, it got so tribal with the team stuff, like like them them saying stuff about us, and you know th- they were just so different than us. And you know, of course everybody's a wrestler, so they're kind of same. But they were so outspoken, and we're very reserved. And I just wanted to shut them up so bad. And I, and I wanted my I wanted my boys to feel that I wanted all of Penn State, all of like the the Nittany Lion community to like feel that. And so now I'm like we're here, like I got to show out, I got to do this. And I'm like frick, sitting down and uh, trying to you know, all right man, just let, let, let's enjoy this, let's have some fun, let's be present, like th- this type of thing. Like like all right, I'll, just don't lose. <laughs> yeah, then I'm like, dude, but if you lose, this is gonna be a freaking. This is where this those gonna negative be terrible. thoughts are creeping. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so the negative thoughts are kind of creeping. And um, there was this one moment where Coach Kale comes up to me and he's like, hey, I'm like, what's up? He goes, I just want to let you know, if I had to pick anybody to go out there in this match, I'd pick you. And I was like, 
well, hell yeah, let's go, let's do it then. And that just like got me right back to where I needed to be. So we go out and uh, right away I'm like, this dude had crazy energy, he was ready to go. He came with, you know, he was coming with everything. So he shoots a hard double leg, I kind of get my foot caught in the mat and like we fall out of bounds. I'm like, all right, whatever, let's go, let's have some fun. So now we're moving, we're moving. And he shoots it on my uh, leg with like a minute left in the first period. And I easily could have just sprawled and, 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 and uh, defended it and got him off. But I kind of had an underhook and it had his neck a little bit. And I was like, I was not scared at all. It wasn't like a fearful thing like what I was kind of saying earlier about going for it. But I was like, I think I got this. So <laughs> boom, I go, I go to throw him. And uh, he kind of sprawls his hips back. And I'm like, oh crap, whatever. All right, no worries. I just like, the situation's happening so fast. I just kind of turned down. He immediately drives back into me to try to take me to my back. And then I'm like, big mistake, bud. Boom, flip him over, land on top. And as soon as that happened, it was like, match is over, dude, you're done. So I just, I got him, get on top, get the pin. And immediately after I get the pin, I'm just like, get to your coaches. You got to celebrate this so hard. So I, me and my first coach, Coach Casey, we run. And he's like a little smaller, so I grab him, boom, pick him up. I'm like, let's go, come on. And then I go to grab Coach Kale, and I'm going to do the same thing. And as soon as I'm reaching for him, he just goes, boom, drops down below me. And I'm like, what's happening? And then double leg picks me up, and I'm like this. It's like Titanic. <laughs> and I'm just like, let's go. And we're just all freaking out and, uh, you know, won the match. And, you know, I go the co- coolest thing, I go off the mat. And my buddy, who I was saying, Mark, who was way below me, he's the first one there. He just lost the NCAA Finals match before. First one there. Let's go. Like, celebrate and congratulate me. And I was like, dude, that's so freaking cool. Like, you're such a good dude for that. He easily could have been in the back, like, just pissed. But he was the first one that I saw coming off the mat. And, and that meant a lot to me. But then uh, I'm, like, freaking out. We're going nuts. And Coach Kale is like, hey, you need to calm down. You're about to do an interview with ESPN. And I'm like, okay, I got it, Coach. I'm chill put the mic on, my, on me, you ask a question, blackout. <laughs> I have no idea what I said. So I blackout, I'm like, whatever, let's go. Boom, get back to, the, get back to everybody, we're celebrating, we're celebrating all, 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 the, all the fun stuff, we're just so excited, go back to the banquet, we have like a banquet after the NCAAs every year with all the fans and uh, the, the teammates and stuff and all the guys that aren't starters that are there too. And so do that and then we, it was in Columbus, so we dro- we're driving back and uh, Coach Kale text me we're on the bus he's in the front and i'm like sitting in the middle of the bus or something and he's like hey just want to let you know best interview i've ever heard and i was like what'd i say <laughs> like i have no idea and so i'm like all right i gotta find this so i go look in the interview and uh i just like went off it was it was it was, it was great because it was so raw so much emotion that that built up to that moment and led into that and i just kind of like gave gave it to the Ohio State people a little bit and and hype Penn State up and the the guy asked me the one question um he was like uh I I don't even remember if the 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 question applied to the answer but I was just like I I said a couple things but I was like I train every day so I come out here and be an NCAA champion for Penn State uh and I was like I was like that's just what we do I was like, that, I was like, that's what we do, and he, and everybody loved that. So they loved. It. I say, I just say, that's what we do. And then uh, he goes, how about that sequence at the end? And I go, man, I've been doing that move since I was six. <laughs> I was like, I knew he was going to his back, <laughs> and uh, yeah. But anyways, it was just like a great interview, and, and people loved it and stuff. I just got to like hype up the the Penn State community a little bit, and 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 
we did it right in the middle of Columbus too, which was, which was big, but that was kind of like at that moment in my career, it's definitely when I look back at my college career, the, the, the easily the, the biggest moment, the best moment that, that I had. It was fun. Um, next season you go up to 197. Is that just because you're getting bigger and stronger and older, or I wanted a new challenge and and I didn't want to. I was weighing 190. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to lose six pounds. I want to enjoy this senior year and let, let's have a good time. And the other thing was my best friend Anthony, who had been 197 for us, he was going to heavyweight, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, this was perfect. I'll I'll bump up and it'll be all good, good for the team. And so that whole summer, he Anthony is like I said, he's, he's the best dude in the world. My best friend. He had a rough go. Up to that point, he had had three labrum surgeries on his shoulder, and uh, he had never really got a shot. You know, lost like I said th- his, his three years of, of of competition of eligibility and wasn't able to compete. And uh, he was at cutting from one ninety seven from about two twenty, so big ninety seven. He's like, I'm going heavyweight. That was part of the plan. You know, let's do it. And I'm like, all right, bro, let's ride together. Let's do this. So the whole summer lifting eating, eating. five thousand calories a day <laughs> literally it was wake up six eggs sausage all that go freaking work out go hammer more food work out again like that's that's just what we were we were just had a great schedule it was the best hey you what about your knee this is going back about oh, what did yeah. you need to get surgery and everything or no so it wasn't 100 percent torn it was like 80 percent torn and i they don't really operate mm-hmm. on them so I just kind of let it ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's still, it bothers me once in a while, but not very often. I'm, I'm, it's LCL is not nearly as serious like, you know, ACL, MCL. So I, uh, yeah, after, I think the winning kind of helped it heal. <laughs> feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this season you crush again. I yeah. Mean, you so come out at 197. It's just. It was fun. It was just like a fun, every, every competition, every match, I was very present, very excited. It was like, let's just enjoy this. Let's have a good time and let's freaking whip some ass. Like that's, that's what we're here to do. Right? Like let's, let's whip some ass. Let's smile. I started doing this thing where I was pinning guys. And the first time it happened, I pinned this kid from Ohio state. It was actually number one versus number two in the country. First time we'd ever wrestled, boom, pinned him in like 60 seconds. And he was so sad. He was laying there. He was like, Oh, so sad. And it's so fun for me. I don't want wrestling to be like that for people. So I just grabbed him. I was like, yeah, it's all good, bro. Like help him up hit him on the back all good and then i started doing this thing where i'm like all right i'm gonna start helping people up <laughs> so i'm pinning people helping them up like hey keep your head up bro it's all good and uh but reality i'm really just trying to be there for my team be there for those guys you know i'm still grinding still working and uh you know doing my thing but it's it's just enjoying it enjoying this this moment the team race wasn't really close so there was no stress on that and i just knew i was heads into like heads above everybody kind of. So it was now just, let's just go out and dominate and, and improve it and smash everybody. And I just want to end this on a, on a fun note, but really be there for Anthony. Cause this is his first year, you know, his only year, his only shot. And he's got to beat Gable Stevenson. Ooh. So it's like, that's a, that guy's a monster, you know? And, and it's a, this is a big challenge. So, you know, me and him are pushing each other in practice. I'm having to wrestle a 245 pound kid every day. <laughs> So helping me get a lot better. My technique's got to be absolutely on point. Not to mention he's easily like the strongest dude I've ever competed against. So we're we're, we're getting after it. We're doing that. Big tens comes around. I'm I'm killing it. I'm like it's a formality for me. Like dominate these people. And Anthony's got Gable in the finals. And so 
you know, I finished my match, he's wrestling, you know, it's like super tight, super close, one to one. And uh, 45 seconds ish left, Gable takes him down. Like, it's like a nice, I think, an angle pick, gets behind him, boom. And then Anthony, like, I'm like, dang, dude, like, this is freaking, there's not that much time left. What's he gonna do? But, but he gets up right away. And uh, then I'm like, all right, like, he's so explosive, so strong. I'm like, this is a good position for him to be in. So I think they go out of bounds, and then uh, maybe 20 seconds left or so. He's faking, he's moving, he pulls, hits his like signature, he does this little like pull around snap, catches the leg, and then just runs through him, boom, takes him down. I'm like, let's go, come on. <laughs> you got it now, he's got 10 seconds holds him, to hold him down. He holds him down. It's like he has a, like one kind of crazy scramble. He's like up too high, but he gets back, boom, wins the match. And it's in Minnesota. So it was, it was in their freaking home, home crowd. And I'm like freaking, I'm like, let's go, come on. That's what I'm talking about. And so. Then I'm like, all right, you got to do, like, I'm like, you just got to do it one more, one more time. Like no big deal. But, um, I'm not, I'm not really worried about myself so mm -hmm. much. You know, I'm, I'm more just like, I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. And so NCAA, NCAA comes and, uh, the year before I didn't have a great NCAA tournament aside from the finals. So now I'm like, all right, let's, let's put an exclamation point on this. So, you know, start smashing people up, pin a bunch of guys, make the finals and, uh, but before that, in the semis, so for some reason, they put Anthony and Gable on the same side. They were like hmm. number two, three seed. I think there was an undefeated kid from Oklahoma State on the other side, something like that. So they got a matchup in the semis. So I win my semi match, but then they make me do all these interviews with ESPN. And so I'm doing all these interviews, but I'm watching him on the TV, and I'm freaking out. Super tight match. Like, come on, what's going on? Like, this is crazy. And uh, so um, then at the... Uh, I'm trying to think of what, what the big moment was. So the yeah, so there was a big moment. Anthony gets taken down right away. End of the sec or end of the third period. Oh, he and he gets called for stalling twice. So he's like down three points now. So then he's like uh, try, kind of trying to come back. He gets he gets a couple escapes and then um, he's down one in, in the third. And Gable like takes a bad shot. Boom! Anthony runs around him, and I'm like, oh, go come on, let's go. But I'm like, there's. A lot of time left so he's obviously gonna get an escape and uh but anthony's like holding him down for a while now i look i'm like oh he's got riding time like let's go he's about to go up two and so holds him down for a while and then uh and you can see gable's like getting tired he's like having a hard time getting up and i'm like what's happening so he gets but then he, anthony gets riding time boom gets an escape there's like 30 seconds left and gable's just coming at him coming at him coming at him and he can't get called for stalling so he's trying to like circle back in take some shots this and that and and but Gable just doesn't have the juice. He just doesn't have the gas. Tony freaking wins, and I'm like, let's go. This is perfect. <laughs> and uh, so then we're both in the finals, and they decide that uh, that I'm going to be the last match. 197. He's heavyweight, so he's going to be the first match. Oh. And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of good, kind of bad. One, he's never wrestled first, but two, I'll at least get to like be relaxed and watch him because yeah. normally I, I don't really get to see him. But the other thing was he lost earlier in the year, and now he's got the kid in the finals mm -hmm. who he lost to. And so I'm like, frick, like, they lost, he lost a close match to him. But it wasn't like that. It was close, like, on the scoreboard, but it wasn't like uh, – it was like Anthony never really had a sh – he mm -hmm. never really was, like, yeah. about to take him down. So I'm like, all right, dude, come on, you can do this. So he goes 0-0 first period. He gets an escape. And then second period, um, there's, like, 20 seconds left. Beautiful single leg shot. Anthony hits. Picks it up. And the dude, like, just does something dumb. Weird. Like, Anthony's going to take him down. But the dude, like, just falls on his back. Like, tries to, like, kick out. 
and he just jumps on him. And I'm like, let's go. Holds him on his back, gets six. So now he's up 7-0. And I'm like, oh, it's over. Come on. He won. And uh, yeah, third period, took him down like two more times. Won like 11-1. to one. Killed the guy. And uh, just so happy for him because obviously people see that moment. But I'd been with him five years up to this yeah. point. Three shoulder surgeries, never having even Damn. been able to compete in an NCAA tournament. And now he's the NCAA champion heavyweight. Like, best guy in the world. Nobody more deserving. Nobody that works harder. Really taught me so much about discipline, commitment, and consistency. Because he was, through all those years, you know, I was competing at least. He wasn't even able to do that. So, me and him just pushed each other so much. And and I was so happy to see him win. I was like, we freaking did it. Like, let's go. And then, I, you know, I, I win my match. And... We just kind of ride off in the sunset of college wrestling. Like, all right, that, that part of our life's over with. So, you know, I, I felt like it ended perfectly. I win the uh, Hodge Trophy. Um, and uh, I'm like, this was just the ideal cap to mm-hmm. the, the college career. Now you, you go to the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on going to the Olympics? Like, where's, where's that? Because yeah. you're doing it also, like, in between each season of wrestling in college. You're yeah. doing, like world tournaments or yeah. Olympic trials types tournaments and freestyle tournaments and stuff like this. So mm-hmm. wh- just give us qu- a quick brief on all that. Yeah. So I, I was wrestling freestyle quite a bit, you know, it's a different style. Um, obviously in, in college wrestling, it's just different rule sets than the Olympics. And so I'm mainly focused on the college style and, uh, but in the summer, yeah, doing, doing some freestyle training and, and I have a, you know, a big goal of mine was to win Olympic gold medal. That was always something that I wanted to do. And so, Basically, uh, in 2019, I, I start kind of my freestyle career. I compete at the U23, like the University World Championships. I win the University World Championships and um, feeling pretty good. And then uh, getting ready for 2020 trials and boom, COVID. I'm like, frick, what the heck? Life just gets paused for a year. So I just, okay, what am I going to do? I just kind of, they shut Penn State down. We can't really train. So we're trying to figure out places to train. And, uh, you know, everything's just kind of in limbo. So then I guess towards the end of the year, it kind of gets lightened up a little bit. I get married and, uh, which is great. And then, you know, get back into training. We're getting ready for Olympic trials. Um, so basically just at that point I was, I knew I wanted to fight MMA. I was like, you know, I was planning on starting MMA after the Olympics in 2020 with COVID, I had to push everything back. I was building a gym in, in State College near Penn State, and that got pushed back as well. So it was kind of just a weird time for me, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting ready for the trials, I felt like I wasn't really at my best physically. You know, I had some some stuff that I really wasn't able to train through and things that I, I wasn't really able to, um, I just wasn't able to be like as prepared as I wanted to be. I make the finals and I'm wrestling one of my teammates, David Taylor, who's great wrestler, you know, world champion at this point and, um, lose the match. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty rough, pretty upsetting. Just, the now, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be able to compete in the Olympics and I just got to make a decision, you know, do I want to continue to train through 2024 or do I want to fight? Because my plan was, win the Olympics and, and then obviously be done. I don't have to prove any more in wrestling. I can just move on. And so there was a lot of questioning and soul searching in my mind of 
what do I want to do? I've had this goal of being Olympic gold medalist for a very long time, but I'm definitely more excited and passionate about fighting and more interested in getting involved in that. And if I wait till 20, after 2024, we're talking starting at 28 or starting at, you know, 25, like that's a pretty big difference. Big you know? difference. So yeah, to me, the, the decision came down to just, I have this big goal, but I'm not going to let this big goal get in the way of what I'm really truly, where my heart's calling me, what I'm really passionate about and what I really want to do. I felt like I would be doing like a disservice to myself if I had continued to wrestle, which I still love wrestling. I still wrestle all the time, but my, my goals and achievements, they, they, they don't define me. That's, that's just part of, that's just what I've done. I've just mm-hmm. done those things. It's not who I am as a person. So it was, it was tough and it took, you know, a lot of kind of just thoughts and talking with people and, but I, I knew that was the right move for me. So get the gym built in August of, uh, 2021. I actually didn't, I wasn't able to train, um, from April, uh, even until then because of injuries I had and stuff, I had to just rehab and whatnot. And then, uh, got back after in August and took my first amateur fight, like five weeks later. <laughs> uh, was your first amateur fight against? And, and like, that's just not cool, dude. <laughs> that's just not cool. I know. I've, I actually have had many, many fighters that, you know, come through my gym and I want to fight, I want to fight, I want to fight. And I'm like, Hey dude, like you've been training for nine months and the, sure you might, there's a decent, there's a chance you can fight someone that's been training for six months. There's also a chance you fight someone that's been wrestling since they were six years old right. and you're going to get annihilated. <laughs> so you need to get better before yeah. you go and fight. Uh, when you started training, so so where who did you bring in? What was the situation? Yeah, so I partnered with American Top Team, and we basically built an American Top Team in State College. So they do franchises that are, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly the business structure, but it's like a franchise fee. So there's 40 of them or whatever all in Florida and the Southeast. But this was like a real partnership with the headquarters. So the headquarters like directly backs and funds the gym, and they uh, provide the coaches and you know, built the whole facility out and stuff. So basically I met them through uh, my management team and just got along with them very well because I felt like two things. I felt like one, they were very structured relative to what most MMA kind of training situations, what I've seen. And they also just had a lot of really high level guys and high level guys in different areas from me, you know, a lot of high level jujitsu, high level Muay Thai striking, and they had good wrestling as well. Like, you know, but I felt like that complimented me very well and it was just a good fit to partner up with them. So I spend probably 80, 90% of my time in state college in PA, but then when I'm able to, I go down to Coconut Creek in Florida and train with the main, main gym at the headquarters there. And it's been a really good system for me so far. And they just wanted to support and start this and partner with me because where they saw my career going and also all the possible connections with Penn State Wrestling and the wrestlers that want to come up and start to fight, you know, once they're done with their wrestling career. So oh, it's a, yeah. it's a little pipeline we're creating. Yeah. That's a big, badass pipeline actually. <laughs> when, when you, when did you first do jujitsu? So my first experience with jujitsu was when I was in college. So I, I was doing a camp in, I think St. Louis, Missouri wrestling camp. And, uh, this guy, his kid was wrestling at the camp and he was like, Hey, I do jujitsu. Do you want to like come up and roll? We're doing practice right here. If you want to go. 
Uh, it's in the wrestling room at the high school. We just have a little club. And I was like, okay, let's go. And uh, so I go in and uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. I've obviously, I've watched tons of fighting. I've watched some jujitsu because I'm just interested in mm-hmm. combat sports and stuff, but I've never really done any jujitsu ever. And uh, so they start me off with a guy and uh, like, it's just like a, a regular guy and, mm-hmm. and I'm going with them. I'm kind of like put him on the ground, take his back, choke him, whatever, get a geek. Just from know. watching. Yeah. Just I mean, from watching. My, like, yeah. Just from watching my style with wrestling was always very, like I was always focused on the pin. And so the pin is very similar. Like there'd be wrestling matches where I'd get a guy in like a, like a, like a, we call it a snake, like a mm-hmm. cement job. And I like, I choked multiple guys out cold like that, not on purpose, but just, mm-hmm. they're trying to fight off their back. I'm squeezing their neck. Boom. They go out. So that wasn't really a foreign feeling to me, like choking people. Mm-hmm. But I, now it was allowed and you're like, allowed. Yo. so what I always teach, so I teach, um, clinics and stuff. And what I teach is, all right, we're not going to, in wrestling, we're not going to choke this guy. That's illegal in wrestling. We don't choke. We're just going to make it really hard for them to breathe. <laughs> so that, that's like how I, how I teach. So it kind of, it came fairly natural. So I tap the guy out and stuff and then they're like, all right, how about like try this blue belt? I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So same thing, you know, kind of, he, 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 these guys aren't like competing at a high level. They're just mm-hmm. practitioners, you know, and they're not really even like, they're not great. They're mm-hmm. just having fun. And so kind of same thing. And they're like, all right, what about this dude? Like purple belt. Mm-hmm. And then they run me purple belt, same thing. And then they're like, all right, this guy's brown this, belt. This is no gi, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it's all these guys are no gi at this point. Yeah. And they're like, all right, try this guy. He's like, uh, he's brown belt. And then we, we kind of go at it a little bit, mm-hmm. like five minutes or so, six minutes. And, uh, at the end, um, I just, I, I never like subbed him, but I was like taking his back, mm-hmm. kind of like moving around him. I like, got him tired and he wasn't really able to like hang with me. And then I was like, that at, the, at this point they had slowly been like stopping their practice mm-hmm. and just watching me. And, uh, now at this point it's like just us and everybody's watching and they're like, go against the instructor, go against the instructor. And I'm like, frick, I don't want to do this. This is his mm-hmm. class. Like mm-hmm. whatever, let's do it. Um, and he's, he's an older guy. He's probably 60. He's wearing a gi mm-hmm. black belt, like really nice guy too. And, uh, so he immediately pulls guard. The other guys were kind of trying to wrestle me a little bit. Like they didn't know. And, uh, but he just pulls guard, goes half guard, just like locks me down. Like, uh, it's called lockdown. I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like lock And I'm like, he's in a gi. I'm like not moving. And, uh, we're kind of sitting there and like just in a stalemate, he tried to wrist lock me once and was like cranking on my wrist. And I was like, get off me. But I'm like, don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like kind of trying to pass or trying to figure out what to do. But we just end up in a stalemate for like 10 minutes. And, uh, so we were just kind of stuck there and then everybody's like, all right, time, like you're done. And I'm like, all right, we're done. And then, so that was my whole first experience with jujitsu. And then the guy was, they were all super nice, super cool. And the guy like gave me a, a t-shirt from their club and stuff. And we took a picture together and stuff. It was, it was really cool. So that was my first experience. And at, at that moment, I really liked it. And I was like, oh, I'm fighting. I got to fight MMA. Like I'm going to do it for sure. Yeah, this is so fun. When was like, when's the first time you rolled with someone that was really good at jujitsu that like yeah. worked you over yeah. and choked you and you were like, yo, this is, <laughs> yeah. I need to learn this stuff. Well, I'm, I, I've never really been like worked over and choked. Damn, I wouldn't say, dude. um, just cause like, I, I think my, my skills translate well. So the first, actually I'll say this. The first guy that whooped me was a guy from Pittsburgh, Isaac Greeley. So he wrestled at UPJ and he's older now. He's probably 40, 45. 
and uh shout out to the old dudes yeah let's go yeah yeah he's uh like he's he's rent, like renzo gracie black belt like beast like runs his own club matt i don't know if you ever heard of matt factory but yeah they have a I lot have of good guys that, yeah. that that he so he trains everybody out of matt factory and uh like first time i rolled with isaac that's actually not true when i said i never got like whipped because he whipped my ass mm-hmm. he was like choking me throwing me down and he's smaller than me too he's like probably 170 yeah, yeah if you don't know do you that's what's gonna happen yeah and obviously you're gonna learn freaking at yeah. an exponential incredible rate but i figured there had to be at least somebody that yeah. made so you say oh I need to he was the stuff. guy yeah that like kind of he, he kind of but you gotta i wasn't going with like i wasn't going to take time out of what i was doing oh, to like not. go to a legit jujitsu gym where these guys are freaking beasts yeah you know so i was able to kind of learn slow and then like start challenging myself mm-hmm. a little bit oh but i forgot because that's actually not true so i worked i had never worked with isaac and uh so i had done that that one session i guess session call where all the dudes rotated in on me and then in uh 2020 when covid happened um so this was the first time i got whooped actually in 2020 when covid happened there it was like like december-ish and i followed gordon ryan on instagram and uh oh yeah okay That's yeah when this happened. so i follow him on instagram and he was like trying to get a match you're like three people drop out and i was like i'll freaking do it these none of these dudes will, will grapple you like let's go like i'll do it like i don't care <laughs> and uh he was like all right like let me talk to the promoter and stuff so we're like all right let's do it so we get we get it all agreed to and i'm like just try to make it like somewhat fair like i don't know anything so no like no guard pulling no he's like no guard pulling no leg locks i'm like that's fine whatever i don't even no guard pulling no leg locks okay so he wasn't allowed to pull guard not allowed to pull guard and not allowed to and do and he wasn't allowed to do leg locks right yeah so that means you would get to take his ass down yeah and you would at least not get your leg torn off leg torn off okay yeah. these seem like appropriate rules fair, fairly fair and so they're like all right 8 minute match blah 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 this now i'm like done let's do it and so we get there and um, I'm like, what weight are we going? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, I'm here. So I weigh like 202 and he's like 230. And I'm like, yeah. whatever, I don't care. He's big. Yeah, he's big. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, whatever, let's go. I'm here. And we get to, they want to do a rules clinic. So I'm like, okay, fine. They're like, all right, match can be 15 minutes. I'm like, well, that's different, but whatever. Okay, let's do it. And uh then him and Danaher proceed to like mostly Danaher like grill the refs and the and the, the judges the people for like 45 minutes about what if this happens what if the rules are happening what if this mm-hmm. that, that I should have paid more attention because I was just like what are these guys doing like I'm a freaking wrestler I've never done a jiu-jitsu match in my life so I I did go out to Pittsburgh and train like a couple times I did three practices legit practices where I was like trying to learn stuff mm-hmm before the competition because it was like 10 days and i was like competing you know so um they're asking all these questions and i'm like yo i'm here to compete like i don't care like whatever like let's go like i was just confused why they're grilling them i'm like i should i should be the one doing this not y'all because y'all know what's going on yeah so we get to the match and in my mind i was thinking that going into it i was like I'm going to win this match. I'm going to go 14 minutes and 20 seconds or 14 minutes and 50 seconds and take him down and, mm-hmm. and score in 10 seconds. He's never yeah. going to take me down. It's not yeah. going to happen. I was way more excited about eight because <laughs> then I was like, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can go seven and a half. No problem. But then they started saying stuff in the meeting. They're like, 
if you get called for stalling, we're going to take all like half your purse. You get called again, we're going to take your whole purse. And I was like, that's so stupid. Like, what, like, what do you mean? And so the match starts and, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not going to shoot. If I, once I, cause they were, the questions they were asking were, oh, if I shoot, then he could pull guard. It was like, mm-hmm. if I grab a single leg, he could pull guard. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not going to put myself in a bad position. Obviously if I get in the guard or get in a situation like that, I'm no nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to be in that as little as possible. And so he actually freaking like scissor sweep me right off the bat and like, com- like tore my MCL. It didn't hundred percent tear it, but it like tore it like a good bit to where a few months after that, I tore it 90% in practice, which <laughs> sucked, but yeah. And freaking messed me up. And then, um, but I, I didn't really feel it that much in the match, but, uh, so we go through the match and there's like, I don't know, two minutes left or something. I'm like, I think I got this. Like I'm going to win. And he starts backing up into me and like, like turning his back, uh, towards me and like backing up so that I'll try to take him down so that he could do jujitsu. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do jujitsu. <laughs> and so he's doing this and everybody's kind of like, uh, like making a noise in the crowd. I'm like, I got to freaking do something. So he's backing up, grab him, suplex him. And now that's the clip that everybody sees is me suplexing him, which is a good thing, I guess. But so I suplex him and then I get up and I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Like that's like now we separated and, um, I got a takedown. It's tied. And it was two, they gave him two points for something at the beginning and they gave me two. So it's tied and there's a minute and a half left. I'm like, this is beautiful. I'm going to go one more takedown. Yeah. I'm going to go one more takedown at the end. Like, and I'm going to win. And, uh, so, but then after I took him down, then all of a sudden he starts pulling guard and he's like scooting towards me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are we not like, but they, they, they were yelling in Portuguese at me and I'm like, I don't know what that means. So (laughs) then (laughs) whatever. But I guess they're saying that once I got the takedown, he could pull guard, which once he was on the ground, he could stay on the ground. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. So now I'm like, I can't just run away. So I got to try to engage. So I don't know what I'm doing. So then he, he goes shoulder crunch on me, which I, I watched some film on him. So I know he loves to do that. So I just sit back because I got good hips. So I'm like, he's not just going to freaking sweep me over here. Like if I obviously put all my weight on him, he's going to do that. So I'm sitting back, boom, beautiful triangle, triangle right over my uh, shoulder. I try to stand up. Dumbest thing I could have done. I don't know. And then I'm like, I just got to try to slam him, I guess. I go to slam him. He switched to arm bar. Kind of, he didn't hurt my elbow, but like he would have. And uh, then I try to slam him, boom, tight over. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> One minute left. I'm like, I could have freaking got him. Like obviously in this, this rule set, but yeah. then, I'm, then I'm pissed. But overall, it was a good experience for me. And, yeah. you know, I, I love jujitsu. It was really fun. I hate that I lost. Like, it pisses me off. Bro, you lost to the freaking literal best, like, no-gi grappler but in the history. So, to me, one... Don't feel too bad about it. It doesn't really matter. Like, you know, I just think how cool it would have been for me, for wrestling community, going there, one, first grappling match, win. Like, mm-hmm. most time wrestlers roll in and, like, do something like that, which they don't do often, and they get killed in 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. But if I were to won, it would have been, like, ultimate cred forever, mm-hmm. you know? So, to me, it's like hard because i'm not full-time in jujitsu i really never trained up to that point and i lost so i i technically shouldn't be that mad at myself but i also just see like what that could have been it could have been so cool for me and uh now i like i don't know if i'll ever get another like i I don't know if i'll ever get to compete against him again like hopefully we'll train and stuff Mm -hmm. but and like i don't know how long he's going to compete my plan is when i'm done with mma you know 
all grappling. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do ADCC, all that stuff, but I just don't have time right now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I got, I got maybe a little bit of flack the other day. Somebody took a clip from our podcast sure. where I said, there's a couple key things that I said. I said, pure wrestler against pure jujitsu fight. The jujitsu guy is going to win nine times out of 10. Listen, I love wrestling. Definitely. I think wrestling is the best possible base you can have for MMA. I think it's what every kid should do. I think it's awesome. But the problem is they literally don't know how to finish a fight. They just don't know how to do it. And yeah. so that's what a jiu-jitsu guy knows how to do. And what you just said for was sure. like, you just, and the reason I'm bringing this up because you just kind of backed me up, bro. I got the, I got the freaking king <laughs> wrestler right here. You said, look, normally it's like 20 seconds. If you don't know jiu-jitsu at all, you take the guy down great, and then you get arm locked. You take the guy down, get guillotine. Mm-hmm. Like it, you just don't. You're just not used For to that sure. kind of thing. A month later of training, that wrestler is now murdering this jujitsu guy. Right. That's why it was key component was like pure versus pure. That really doesn't even exist anymore. Even right. you knew how to choke people, you know, without any training at all. So, uh, please, you know, a little mercy on the kid over here. You know, I, didn't, I yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know why people would be like mad or prideful <laughs> about that. It's it, it's. I think probably, you know, yeah, it, make, it makes perfect sense. If you got somebody that's wrestling against somebody that's doing jujitsu, it's not going to be like like the jujitsu guy's going to win. As soon as he, as soon mm-hmm. as the guy shoots, they're going to get guillotine, get triangle, get arm yeah. lock, something. Right? I can tell you, I have gone against, especially in the early days when I was like a blue belt. So we're talking mid mid nineties. I I went against all kinds of wrestlers, high school, college wrestlers. I mean. And I never like lost. I never got like, they didn't know what a no. submission was. How could I lose? Like, it's not happening. Right. So that was sort of what I based that opinion on. And I gave the benefit of the doubt. Like sometimes I'm sure a guy might grab, you know, put you in a cradle and crank your freaking head <laughs> off and be like, yo, this is what's going down. But um, yeah, so. I think I, this like now with MMA being so prominent and stuff, people see like, Everybody knows how to lock like a rear naked choke oh, or, yeah. or a guillotine yeah. or or even like darts. Like people like that have never done jujitsu. Like a lot of people know how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people, but a lot of like combat athletes. Like mm-hmm. they'll know, all right, this is how to do it. But they don't really know actual like jujitsu. For me, at the beginning when I started doing grappling, it was all right, just don't get submitted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna control this sure. dude. And then I don't even know how I'm gonna get like my best chance, the only time I really submitted guys was because I was just so much better of an athlete or I'll get them tired and they'll give their backs up or something like that. And I know how to do like a, like something simple, right? But you don't really know how to compete in sport jujitsu, right? Like if you take a guy down, you're sitting in guard and you don't know how to pass guard. You don't know how to like do anything. You're eventually they're going to just, they're going to get you. Who's your consistent coach in, in your gym so, for jujitsu? For jiu-jitsu, we have Ailton uh, Barboza. He's an ATT guy, so he, he competed a lot. And uh, the cool thing about him is he competed at a very high level in jiu-jitsu. You know, he, he started off judo, mm-hmm. then got into jiu-jitsu uh, as a teen, and then you know competed at a high level. And then uh, since then, he had like close to 20 MMA fights. So he has a lot of practical MMA jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. which is great for me, right? Like I love the sport jiu-jitsu, but I need to know practical top game stuff because and, and defending submissions and then, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's specific to what I'm doing. Hell yeah. You don't need much bottom game. At yeah. This part. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like, honestly, like when I'm rolling, like I'll play bottom and stuff like that. It's fun, but I, it doesn't really, I'm never going to do that in a fight. Yeah. No, no. Uh, so you get your first fight, you knock somebody out in a minute or whatever. That's an, a, 
a uh, amateur fight, and then the, well, the next thing was contender series, right? No, so I took so basically what happened was I scheduled two amateur fights in a row. I did one, I did another one three weeks later, and then um, I was really working hard. I wanted to make my pro debut at Penn State and State College, so we were trying to like get licensing, put a promotion together, work with my management team, work with Penn State, and I wanted to do a fight in Rec Hall, like it was gonna be insane, in uh, in April, so when the students were in, in town and like, you know, we were so close to getting it done, and then the PA Athletic Commission, and between them, Penn State, my management team, it was just, we weren't gonna get it mm-hmm. done. And so I had gone from October through April and not gotten a fight, and I was like, guys, I need to get a freaking, mm-hmm. give me a freaking fight. So some random dummy called me out at like this promotion was like, I want Bo Nickel, blah, 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 this and that. I want Bo Nickel. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Pro, pro MMA debut in Richmond, Virginia. I did it in June and, uh, it was on UFC fight pass. So there had been people, you know, paying a little bit of attention to me and stuff in MMA, but not a lot. And then I made my pro debut and, uh, boom, straight left hand, uppercut hook, knocked the dude out in 30 seconds and everybody loses their mind. And uh, immediately the next day, UFC's calling, Bellator's calling, one of, every promotion's calling, wanting to sign me, and it, it's crazy. And, and now it's like, well, I can go with these promotions, but I need to get more experience. I need to get some fights. And, uh, you know, nobody on the regional scene's gonna, who's gonna fight me now? Like, I just knocked this dude out cold. I'm an NCAA champion wrestler. Like, mm-hmm. how am I gonna get a fight? So, we, my management team and I decided it was always the UFC for me. That was the path. And, uh, they really wanted me because my, my knockout, that promotion, it did the most views in fight pass history over, over like the next week out of any event that they ever done. It did like, I don't know, three or 4 million views over the next week. Check. And so then they were like motivated cause they, you know, they obviously saw the views. They saw what I did, which, you know, knock a guy out with my hands, which was big. And then they're like, all right, what can we do to get you experience? Boom, let's get you two fights on contenders, mm-hmm. or let's get you one fight on contenders. <laughs> oh, that's right, it turned into one fight, didn't it? Well, it, it was it was interesting because so I go into uh, oh no, you did you had two fights. I had two contenders right. fights, so I thought it was going to be one. I thought I was going to you know, go in one fight, and then they're like, all right, we're going to get you another fight. So, um, they just said let's let's get you on contenders. Boom, and then Dana's like, let's get you one more. So, yeah, the contenders thing was great for me, though, because I got to just get experience mm-hmm. and I got to um, basically get these fights that I these guys wouldn't have fought me if it wouldn't have been in contenders. Oh, OK. It's yeah, like yeah. none of those guys would accept to fight me for 500 bucks. At yeah. A local show. No, somewhere. but now it's like, OK, if I want to get into the UFC, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So now I can get the fights. And then from there, I was ready to do you have any nerves at all going into these fights? Well, the first one, I was a little nervous because, you know, bigger stage, my first one. And, uh, but, but I, I knew like literally any fight I go into is the dude has 60 seconds, two minutes to knock me out. If that doesn't happen, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to get you on the ground. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. I'm going to choke you out. I'm going to do whatever I want because you got a short window of time to win this fight. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I get a hold of him, I'm like, oh, it's over. Like, I'm not nervous at all. But, until then, it's like, okay, let's figure this out. Like, mm-hmm. Let me get close to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, then my second fight, I was nervous because 10 days before that, I was riding home from practice on a one wheel. You ever seen these? Yeah, they're like 
weird looking skateboards. Yeah, with skateboard with the big the wheel. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so it I'm sounds r- like a smart move coming up. This <laughs> eye roll, <laughs> but uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but I'm riding back from practice, and I live 200 yards from the gym. So, but there's a main road that's like 45 mile an hour speed limit, and uh, so I'm riding down this road, and I, the one wheel doesn't work when you wear flip flops. So you, I take my shoes off. So I have my flip-flops, my big Yeti bottle, my phone, my wallet, like all the stuff in my hand, on oh, my shirt, my shirt's off, no, nothing uh, on, just like all that stuff in my hands. And my, my buddy, Anthony, he's just finished training with me too. He's behind me. And uh, so I'm like driving like- Is he on a one wheel No, no, well? he's on a car. Okay, okay. And so he's like going- So there's I'm, really no reason for you to be doing this. Zero. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. So, but it was just fun. I just like riding it. So, and it's 200 yards. It's like, what's going to happen? Like I'm going just real quick. And so he's behind me and uh, I'm going like 15. So they're like rolling and I'm like, frick. Then another car comes and I'm like, oh, they're, I got to go faster. So I'm like starting to lean forward. And uh, it does this thing where if you lean forward too far, it'll autocorrect you. Mm-hmm. But then if you lean forward farther than that, it'll just die and like catch the nose and you'll mm-hmm. just freaking boom. So I'm like trying to go as fast as I can on this one wheel to get around the curve to go to my house. And it, boom, does exactly what I said. I catch the nose, 23 miles an hour. I fly off this thing, land straight on my freaking shoulder. Everything I have in my hands goes flying in the air. Boom, hit, roll. And I'm like, I just got to get off the road. I'm going to get hit by a car. So I pop up and just run off. And then I, Anthony's like, look, he's like this. <laughs> and I'm like, and I go grab all my stuff and I jump in the car and uh, he's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, let me check. And I was like, no, no, I'm not okay. This sucks. And uh, so then I, I go home. I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, I have to, like, I can't lift my shoulder up at all. It's like done. And <laughs> so then I'm like, I got to go get an MRI, I get an x-ray. So I cracked my collarbone and I uh, sprained my SC joint like really badly. And so... We're 10 days away from the fight. I'm like, I got I to gotta pull out. Like, I'm not going to be able to fight. I can't lift my arm. And so we have an athletic trainer at Penn State. I'm like, I'm going to give it like three more days. And uh, he's like a magician, right? So like any injury I've ever had, he's helped me. It's just like he does a lot of Eastern medicine stuff. It's insane. And so he starts working on me and he's like, like you don't got a lot of tissue there. So it's not really going to heal super fast, but we'll do what we can. So he starts working on me. And the first day I was like, I saw improvement. I was like, okay this is a possibility. The second day I saw a little more improvement and I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it one more day. We'll see where we're at. And the third day it improved a little more. I still, I could go to like about here and like move pretty slow, but I can move. And I was like, fight's on, let's go. (laughs) I can move my arm. So that made me nervous. I wouldn't have been nervous, but freaking, like I said, broke my collarbone and messed, messed myself up. So, um, then I just, I just didn't really train, just kind of got my weight down. And by the time I was about to fight, it was like I could box and do stuff, but it was just painful. Mm-hmm. It was like I could move the way I wanted to move, but I just felt pain while I was doing it, which is not ideal, but we could fight. Mm-hmm. So luckily, freaking boom, straight left hand, knock the dude down, triangle, finish him in like 50 seconds. And I'm like, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, so I don't ride the one wheel anymore. Yeah, is this the main story. Yeah. <laughs> then you get your first fight. In the actual UFC, right? Yeah. Is that the right thing to say, the actual UFC? Because it's not the contenders? Yeah. So I was supposed to fight in December right after that. That was in October or something. And I I finished that fight and I was like, let's go December, let's run it. And I get back home and I was like, ooh, this is not really, I need to 
need to fix this. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. Move it to March. But yeah, I get my first fight in, in March in the UFC. Crazy. I'm like 3-0 and and I'm like, let's go. Main card too, right? Main card. Opening the main card. John Jones pay-per-view. This is wild. It was wild. Yeah. Fun. Any nerves on that one? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel nervous for every, every time I compete. I think that... Did you feel nervous before the NCAA championships? Because... The only time I didn't was my senior, senior in the year. finals because I was just so much better than everybody. It was more like, it was hard to get excited for it. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's finish on a, on a good note. But every other time I'm like, like, what makes you feel nervous in the UFC? Is it like the crowd? Is it the possibility you get knocked out? Is it your career goals? I think it's just how much I put into what I do. And I, I, spend so much time and effort to go perform. And I know these moments are so short and and finite and there's only a few of them that you get. So I really, really put pressure on myself to perform to the best of my ability. And then of course there's nerves for, man, I do not want to get knocked out cold on national TV. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do not want to get freaking, there's always that risk. Like my entire family is watching and I'm putting myself in a very dangerous situation. So you know, I do not, I want, and I, and I want to win, you know? So to me, like the, the nervousness, it comes from, from those two areas. And I think one's very negative and one's very positive. So I really try to lean into the positivity and, and replace the negativity, the negative one with, with other things, with, uh, just more positive, loving feelings. And that's, so that's your kind of protocol. Yeah, pretty much. How much you warm up? Um, I would say I, like 40 minutes before I'll probably go for like a hard 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I get my heart rate up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I, I used to do this thing where I'd roll out and wrestle cold and I would still go Pentagon 60 seconds, but I found overall long-term I get better results when I warm up pretty, pretty good. So I'll get a good sweat and get that heart rate up. And, uh, yeah, then I give myself about 15 ish minutes to cool down before mm-hmm. it's go time. How about the next fight? Yeah. So and that this was your last fight, right? Yeah, my my most recent fight. It was freaking sweet. It was so much better. Um well, there was one little hiccup. The first fight I was very nervous. I you know, wanted to perform really well and and the guy I was fighting was dangerous. He's like 6'3", super long, southpaw, awkward. It's like that was not a great fight, you know, but he was the guy they they brought to me and we're going to make it work. So, um and, and it wasn't like he was an absolute killer, but he was just awkward and dangerous and had good power athletic. So yeah, you get caught, you get caught. Yeah. So I was nervous, but then, you know, the second fight, and by the way, that one was an arm triangle. Yeah. Arm triangle. Yep. Yeah. So the second fight I was like, kind of, uh, I was way loose. I was like, I'm about to mess this dude up. <laughs> like we're ready to go. Camp was, was amazing. No injuries, all healthy. Weight cut was perfect. I actually, you know, I came down, I came in a little heavier, than what I normally do, but that was planned. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a little bigger and I felt amazing. What the, are you walking around at? Right now I'm probably, I'm a little light right now, but normally like in training camp, I'm 206 to 208. I'm probably 202, 204 right now. What are you week of? So week of I'll come in like lower than 200, mm-hmm. like 98, 99. And yeah. you just go like all water night before? 
I'll do seven day water load, six day water load. And then, uh, yeah, just like cut the calories a little bit, but it's mostly just the water load and sauna and stuff. I I, I try to limit as sauna and plastics as much Mm -hmm. as I can, but it's very intuitive mm-hmm. based on I've done it so many times. But it's like times. no factor for you. No, no, none at all. <laughs> none. I feel, yeah, I mean, I've never missed, I never wish miss weight in my life. No, I've been weighing in since I was five. So <laughs> never miss weight. Check. Yeah. So it's, it's not an issue. Um, but yeah, the, the hiccup was my opponent pulling out of the fight. You know, Monday I get a call. I just finished a training. Se- well, actually I didn't even finish. I was in the middle of my training session and my mom comes up to me and she's like, yo, Malky's on the phone, my, my agent. And I'm like, pissed i'm like why are you coming to me with a phone call in the middle of my i'm about to like hit pads like and then he's like i'm like can it wait and she's like no it's important and i'm like i knew immediately mm-hmm. when she said that i was like damn it so he tells me he's pulling out hurt hurt his uh, wrist or something and uh, i'm like i just wasted like 10 weeks and i bought 40 tickets for family and friends and what are we gonna this is i paid i got an airbnb for the whole week like you know not to mention, I'm just not going to get to perform. That sucks. So, frick. Um, and Malky's like, all right, we'll work on it. Let me let me call you in a little bit. So, like, 45 minutes later, he calls me back. He's like, we got two names for you. And uh, I'm like, give me whichever one signs. I don't care. And uh, he's like, all right, well, like, well, we're going to have the coaches watch some film and stuff. I'm like, okay, fine. So, he tells my coaches, watch film. They're like, all right, check this dude out. I watch him in two minutes, and I'm like, done. I'll sign. Let's go. And... Uh, you know, I, I told myself, it's funny because I told myself going into MMA, I'm like, I'm not doing last minute replacements. I'm not coming in. It's like, I'm a professional. We're going to do this for real. But then I get into the moment and I'm like, let's go. I'm fighting. Like <laughs> I, you could throw out the freaking incredible Hulk. Like we could go, I'm ready to, ready to get it. And so, um, yeah, so he signed the contract. Luckily, fortunately, I, I obviously signed the contract and then it was just back on business as usual, which was just such a blessing because I just thought it was done how are you feeling in training camps? Like, what are you, what are you focused on in training camps? Do you, I mean, obviously, and I was thinking about this earlier and talking about doing all your different sports. That's probably why your striking is able to get up to speed so quickly. Like if you just wrestled your whole life, you wouldn't be striking the way you're striking. No, but because you were throwing balls and playing other sports and like that, your just athleticism is through the roof. Uh, so is, do you, but what are you concentrating on? I would say the main thing that I focus on is just my base and fundamentals is, Agility, you know, being able to move forward, backward, side to side with both stances, and uh, just just keeping that foundation solid and and building good habits is, is the main thing. You know, the, the strikes and the combinations. When you put yourself in good position and you're in good position, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. Like you throw a knee, elbow, punch, whatever. Whatever. You. The main thing to me in striking is my understanding my range, understanding how to have agility, and be able to move, and and they, they always say this in jiu-jitsu, position before submission, right? It's the exact same thing in striking. It's, it's getting a good position, then whatever you want to throw is going to land, right? Be f- super sound fundamentally on defense, so catching jabs, checking kicks, defending straight right hands as a southpaw, all very big for me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you work a little bit of fundamentals on, on the actual strikes, right? Making sure that left hand, that straight left hand is straight. Making sure your right hook is where it needs to be. Making sure... Your jab, you know, I have a versatile jab. I can throw it to the head, to the body. I can throw it slow. I can throw it fast. I can throw it to the gloves. I can throw it to the air. Mm-hmm. Different stuff like that, you know. And, and But it's all solid foundation fundamentals. I think where a lot of people go wrong is they try to do the combo of the day. The one, two, three, mm-hmm. slip, two, uppercut, step back, two. Like, it's like, that's not a real fight, bro. Like, like let's do stuff that actually applies. So I think that's why I've been able to 
get as good as I have. And I just have really good coaches, Mm -hmm. guys that I listen to and trust and who are going to keep me in the right, like lane and mindset of get this solid base fundamentals, use your wrestling, right? Like we're never going to forget about that. We're always going to use my, use your wrestling, but now how do we mix it up? That that's Mm -hmm. kind of my philosophy. How much wrestling do you do? I wrestle every day, pretty much. And when you say wrestle, so not that much. Do you do? You, do, you do yeah, yeah, barely ever. Yeah. Every day. Uh, do you do jujitsu? Is that considered wrestling now? Kind of like if you if you're going to train, can I slap a guillotine on you? And like you're not like, dude, this is wrestling. Well, so what I do is when I'm I do my wrestling training with Penn State still. Oh, okay. So I go train with the college guys, but I adjust it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like. I'm doing all folk style wrestling because that's most applicable to MMA. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like protecting myself. Like, of course, these guys aren't going to try to like, they're wrestling. They're trying to get better at wrestling. So they're not going to try to guillotine me or whatever. But I, I just adjust my style a little bit to where it's more the way I would compete in right. MMA. And like, let's say I'm going with a dude and he shoots in something. Like if I could put a guillotine on him, like I'll put it on him You're a little gonna bit. You're going to show it to him. Yeah, I'll just show it to him and just kind of like, no, I could have got it. Obviously, he's not trying to defend me, but like, me just getting used to that and stuff. And, you know, then um, when I when do like actual grappling training, it's with guys that, are, you know, know what we're trying to trying to do. Like, you know, I do yeah. that a couple times a week. Yeah. So that way you're getting all that. And um, when's the next fight? Do you know? I'll probably go early next year. So right now I got a couple elk hunts coming up. So yeah. through September. <laughs> yes, sir. So I'm super pumped about that. And then um, October uh, my buddy Anthony's fighting. So I want to help him get ready for that. And then my wife's having a baby December. So I kind of like, it kind of eliminated like the rest of this year for me. Um, because the main thing was since my wife's pregnant, I didn't want to have a situation where, all right, I'm fine December 12th. Boom. She goes on labor mm-hmm. and I'm like, what the frick, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'll probably push it to March or April, but I think that's good for me too. Just with my development, I fought five times in the past year and you know, it's good for me to take some time and not be in camp because mm-hmm. I've just been in camp the whole time. Yeah, and you've got a baby coming. Your wife's a three-time All-American, freaking track athlete, savage. So you're like going to have a genetic mutant offspring as well. Yeah, that's that's the plan. That was kind of... But you <laughs> but you messed up the date for wrestling a little I know, bit. I know, we'll see. So I, I'm hoping if she's a week late, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. She's, she's the best, so, you know... Um, met my wife in school and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for us to be parents. It's gonna be insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you know if you're having a boy or girl yet? Boy. Yo, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then on the, like on the business front, kind of, mm. you got some things going on there. You got scrap life. I see you're wearing a scrap life yes, sir. t-shirt. So this is like, you know, your wrestling apparel and you guys make shoes and everything. Yeah, we do head to toe wrestling. So that, that's kind of where we started. Um, Scrap Life was, I came on to Scrap Life a few years after the brand, you know, began. And then, you know, because of my position and just what I was bringing to the table, they brought me in as partner. And now I do all of our product development. I do our, uh, manage a lot of the NIL athletes and our um, influencers and stuff like that. And yeah, I, there's, it's, it's a, we're, we're still early in the business. So you kind of got to do a lot of things when you're early in the business and mm-hmm. it's fun though. I really enjoy it. And I've learned so much just from having to figure things out and also dealing with people that, um, know a lot as well. It's, it's, it's fun. How's that NIL athlete stuff? Are you pissed? 
uh no you know I, I think you accept it i accept it yeah for me it's like i look back at first i was like oh my gosh i missed out on so much money this is insane yeah. and then you know it was like what well, are you gonna cry about it just get over it. and 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 for me now it's like i i always felt like i don't want the way nil is working is donors writing checks mm-hmm. to athletes it's like mm-hmm. it's not the way it's intended it's just no. a donor writing a check and so for me I don't know. I, I just, I don't really like the way that it's going, the way that it's trending, but I'm also on the other end excited for kids to be able to make yeah. money and happy for a lot of my friends that are doing really well. So, you know, they're, and, and, and I'm, you know, never going to beg for a dollar from anybody. So I, I'm going to go earn it myself. So it's all good. Right on. Uh, then you got your, like this recovery cream that you came out mm-hmm. with, which you have some for me, which I'm at yes, camp sir. right now. I need it. I thought you need it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I got yes, you, bro. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah. So what's that all about? Yeah, 2717. So um, it's a recovery cream that actually um, a close family friend of mine um, basically uh, asked me, he was like, are you interested in like this this re- recovery cream? I, I work with a scientist and we're formulating it to uh, basically help with any type of inflammation, bump, bruise, that type of thing. Would you want to try it and see how it is? And this was like three years ago. So this was 2020, 2021. And... I was like, okay, I'll try it, whatever. And so I, I tried it here and there, and I kind of have a bad back, bad neck, so I rub it, and I was like, oh, like that kind of helped a little bit, but you know, I just kind of kept moving moving on, and then um, right before the Olympic trials in 2021, that was when I tore my MCL 90%. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like partially tore it with r- Grappling Gordon and then completely tore it right before, and uh, then it was three months of rehab and just re-aggravating it like, all the time. It would be like, train, 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 Third day training, mm-hmm. boom, re-aggravate it. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, so um, basically after three months of that, I was like, what if I just, let me rub this on it. Let me see what's up. Because I kind of had forgot almost. And so I started putting it on my knee, you know, in addition to rehab and, and doing stuff. And then after a month, I was like, I'm good to go. Like, wow, this actually helped. So I hit my family friend back up and I was like, what's up with this? Like, give me some more info on it. Like, let, let me see this. So. He gives me some more info, gets me some more out. And I was like, all right, this worked for me. I want to I see how my teammates like it. So I give some to Nolf, give some to Kyle Snyder, give some to a few guys that kind of are doing the same things as me. And then immediately, every single one was like, dude. Send me more. This stuff's sick. Yeah, like, <laughs> let me try that. Like, like what, what, what do you have going on here? I'm like, it's just like, yeah, product we're working on. So then at that point, it kind of became real. I knew we had something. So then I kind of partnered up with um, a financial guy, partnered up with my uncle and, uh, marketing team and i basically helped design all of the the branding the packaging that type of thing and uh you know do a lot of the now social media and whatnot i'm not running the social but mm-hmm. i'm doing the marketing and it's kind of for me what i've realized about business is i have certain strengths you know i have a good eye for the the, the look and i'm able to to help with with that type of stuff product design and product development and then what i'm able to do as an athlete in my own brand and and that association so that's kind of the lane i pick and then i've been trying to fill in the gaps with other people because I, I just couldn't do the other stuff that needs to be done you know the 
the the research or the fulfillment mm. or or anything on the back end customer service so you know I, I have other people that help me out with that yeah no you definitely have your role in this stuff and you shouldn't be sitting in a lab somewhere yeah. um, figuring stuff out what about you know I saw on your website bonickel.com I saw on your website you it says camps do you actually do camps once in a while so right when on. I was in school and wrestling that was like a huge source of income from for me I could do you know 20 camps a summer and, and make good money and stuff. But uh, now with with way my situation is with fighting, I have a few rental properties, a few businesses, um, I don't really need to. So I will here and there if it's like a camp for maybe like a close friend or if somebody offers me like a lot of money, then I'm like, all right, well, let me mm-hmm. see if I can carve it out. But I definitely don't make it a priority at all. And uh, like I do a camp every summer for my buddy in Texas who he's a high school wrestling coach. And I want to give back, mm-hmm. right? So to me, that that's a lot of what camps are. And if, if somebody comes in with something like astronomical, then I'm like, all right, we'll make it happen, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it's really I try to limit them because it's a lot, yeah. as you know. You know, it's yeah. it's a lot to to go and do that, and it takes away from my training and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it, it has to make sense. Now, is your gym in PA? Is that thing justified gym with no, or is there like members? There's members. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so we have a public class. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu classes. We got Muay Thai. We got boxing classes. So oh, dang. kids self-defense. Yeah. That's freaking totally legit. I don't run any of them, but uh-huh. you know, for me, uh, my coaches are the same guys that are coaching me are coaching the public classes, which is pretty cool. You know, the, they get that, you know, elite level knowledge to, you know, anybody that wants to come in and learn. And, uh, my goal is you know, obviously right now I'm just fighting, but when I'm done and retired is to like kind of head, head the fight team up. So I'll just have all these hopefully wrestlers that are coming up underneath me. I'll have learned what I need to learn and help guide them through that. And I want maybe 10 to 15 guys, you know, not a crazy huge mm-hmm. team, but guys that are all on a mission on that same mindset, on that same wavelength that want to be world champion and dominate and just take those guys under my wing. So that's kind of the plan long-term for the gym. You and I had an offline conversation a while ago about, and then I've heard you mention it in the press too, and I love it. And that is that you know the some of these other countries are getting a lot of recognition for their wrestlers because of what their wrestlers are doing in MMA. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I rattled off a ton of American wrestlers that have kicked ass in MMA and been world champions. I mean, from everybody from John Jones to uh, Cejudo. I mean, it's just. But for some reason these other wrestlers from other countries get like recognition yeah. as if they're almost as if their wrestling is superior, almost as if they're like some different breed. <laughs> and what do you, how do you feel about that? Bo nickel? You know, just, to, just to be a hundred percent honest about it, it, it does bother me. I'm like kind of, I feel a, a chip on my shoulder from that because I believe what I represent American wrestling is, is number one. And so to see kind of the, the excitement and hype around uh, the, the other countries and, and what they're doing, I'm like, all right, bring your best. We'll mm-hmm. see what's up. Let's do mm-hmm. it. So to me, it's there, there, there's, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally cool to, to talk about it and chat about it and, you know, have a conversation. I don't know that that will go a long way in, in people's minds as far as helping them realize and understand what the reality is. So we got to fight, and that's what's going to happen, and I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, so we'll do it. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy. I mean, uh, American wrestlers are badass. Now, would we be better off if we did, like, freestyle wrestling our whole lives here in America? We would be better off in the Olympics, right? Like, mm-hmm. you But know, we be worse off in MMA? 
Definitely. Yeah. Because folk style, the, the skills that it takes to be successful at folk style wrestling are so different from freestyle. One conditioning is way bigger factor factor in folk style. Um, it's a longer match. There's less, uh, there, there's more kind of, I guess, scramble situations, actions, more stuff that's going to be taxing to you. You have to get up off bottom. You don't just get let up, right? Which is, what, what, what is that, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. So I always like freestyle, but to me, folk style wrestling is really true, pure wrestling. Like, that's what it's about. It's about, I'll get a takedown. If you want to get away, you got to get, you got to earn that. You got to get away. I, I'm going to hold you down on the ground or, and, and, and roll you over to your back and pin you, you know? Or if you try to grab a hold of me or you grab my leg or something, and I want to roll and do something to counter that, I shouldn't lose points for that. You're not controlling me, making me do that. It's so, so to me, I, I prefer folk style wrestling and it's easily superior in MMA. It's like not even really comparable. You just look at, I mean, I don't, I can say that, but you can look at the stats too. Look at like guys that wrestled exclusively freestyle or Greco and how successful they were. Mm. And not only how successful they were, but how successful were they at implementing wrestling game, which there's really not a lot of examples, but guys that did folk style wrestling, you can clearly see them yeah. implementing the wrestling game. Well, I mean, it's going to be cool. There's, you're going to be coming face to face with some of these foreign wrestlers in the future. And like you said, we'll find out by fighting. Well, what a beautiful thing. Like, oh, you think you could beat me? Well, let's fight. Yeah. Okay. We can yeah. do it. I'm ready. When you watch their wrestling, what do you think? Uh, it's just like, you know, it's like uh, they got a specific style. And I think everybody gets so impressed by it because they are di- they're, they're disciplined and relentless and they have a game plan and, and focus on what they want to do. And it's like, that doesn't really, to me, make you special. It's mm-hmm. like, cool, dude. Like, I got to know a thousand guys that do that. Like, it's not really anything that's unique. I think that I do respect their approach to the sport and i think that some guys in fighting get a little too lax party like i'm gonna go out and be crazy and then i'm gonna go whip ass and it's like all right cool man but i like the that's just not my mindset my mindset is all in discipline focus commitment and i think a lot of their guys do kind of have that so i i respect that and i respect the challenge like they're gonna come at me with everything and you know that's what i want i want to be the best in the world i don't want to beat a bunch of guys that aren't good and then call myself the best in the world. Like I want to beat the best guys and know I'm the best. And so if they're, the, if they're the best guys then then let's run it, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're putting together kind of like the Jocko fuel fight team right now. And with the, you and the Rutolo brothers, the Rutolo brothers, freaking awesome. Uh, I call, I keep calling them kids. Is that bad? Echo Charles? <laughs> Technically, no. I've literally known them since they were little right. kids. Wow. That's the impression. Since they were like yeah. eight years, seven years old or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, so I call them kids. Don't and I am also anymore. 50, almost two years old. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> well, but I'm falling into that like old person wow. trap yep. where that's everyone's a kid, kid. right? So. Yeah. Well, anyways, I've, we've got the two young men. There you go. The Rutolo <laughs> brothers, you know, um, they're great guys, mm-hmm. great attitudes. And now your Jocko Fuel team, which is awesome. And we just want to build it out where we have, look, to me, it's not just like, oh, this person's popular or this person's winning, but like who is living the lifestyle mm. that we are about. And so you clearly are about that. So it's been awesome. I know we kind of just got that uh, done a couple uh, what, maybe a month ago or something like mm-hmm. that no one really knows yet because i don't like 
do that big promotion thing. Yeah. But I guess they'll know now. But yeah, that's awesome. So hopefully we can we can give you some big support with Definitely. everything that you're doing. Yeah, I'm excited to be on the team. You know, there's uh there's really no team I'd rather be on. It, <laughs> it, it's a good fit. It makes a lot of sense and doing a lot of good things. So yeah, I'm hyped. Appreciate you. Freaking outstanding. Well, so what's next? What do we got? We got the kid coming. Mm-hmm. We got some fighting sometime. Yeah, you know, next year. The after next main that. thing is is go kill some elk. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. I got a couple that's elk right. hunts, so I'm really. Where are you going? I got Colorado and New Mexico. Nice. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. And so. you're just bow hunter. Just archery. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't really look down on hunting with a rifle, but archery is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I'm an <laughs> archery guy. Yeah. Have you done a lot of elk hunting before? So. Basically, two years ago was my first experience elk hunting. I did it with a rifle, and it was great, and I loved it. But basically what happened was I wanted to get into archery hunting at that time. Mm -hmm. I had been shooting my bow for two months, and I was like, all right, it doesn't really make sense Mm -hmm. for me to go try to kill an elk right now. And so I was like, I need to train some. So the plan was train a year next year, or excuse me, last year, go go get one, go get after it. But then I had fights end of September. Mm-hmm. So I was like, frick, I can't do it. So now I was like, get me a fight before September. Get me a fight in you know July. And mm-hmm. I was like, boom, got it done. Now I got September to, to go get after it. So yeah. that's going to be like my plan every year is fighting you know, July-ish, September, yeah. get after the elk, and then get back on it. Hell yeah. That's going to be awesome. Um, I'll be out there too. I'll be in, I'll be in Utah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Where can people find you? So we got mm-hmm. we got bonickel.com. That's where you can find um, the Scrap Life. Also, scraplife.com is on there. I didn't see 2717. Where, where What's the website for that? It's 2717recovery.com. Okay. Yeah, so I need to update the website. So this really new, you know, just kind of launched the product the last few weeks. And yep. uh, yeah, yeah, 2717 recovery, bonickel.com. And then you're on Instagram. At no bickle one. No bickle one. Is there a joke behind that? So basically when I was in high school, my buddy, I was like 17. I was like, yo, I should make an Instagram. Like, what should I do it? I don't know. What, Bo Nickel? He was like, how about no bickle? And I was like, (laughs) all right, this is my buddy Jack. And I was like, that's it. It's done. So it's just, it wasn't even me. It was Jack, Jack Bass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So on Instagram, you're no bickle one. On Twitter, you're just no bickle. And then Facebook, you're actually just yourself at Bo Nickel. Just myself. There you go. Um, that gets us up to speed, right? Yeah. Echo Charles, you got any questions? Yes. I seen you were taking notes. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing over there. Actually, uh, so when I, was the last time you played football? I knew it. I was going to say, I should have written it down. We have football questions coming. So the last time I actually played football, um, I don't know. I wouldn't count this as playing football. So I'll say two things. I, I, I played touch football over thanksgiving when i was in college like 2018 yeah. with a bunch of my buddies yeah. <laughs> and uh but i did a, a workout in the last like two years probably with uh my buddy micah parsons he plays for the cowboys now and uh we did a little a little speed workout running some 40s and doing stuff like that so i'm down to play football anytime that was fun yeah so uh in what was that high school right that was when you were that was when i was actually playing like yeah, yeah, yeah. sophomore year high school sophomore year. what position did you play so I played receiver. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Echo was receiver. Was Let's go. Nice. He was a l- lot smaller back then. <laughs> a lot smaller back then. Yeah. Got you. That's your question? That's it, bro. Freaking, he went over everything. Everything I was wondering. So we're okay. good to right go. On. Right on, good man. Go. Uh, Bo, any closing thoughts from you, man? 
uh, just thank you for, for having me on. This was really fun to, fun to chat. Kind of weird to go back over my whole <laughs> life, but, uh, good so yeah thank you it's i mean to me you know obviously a lot of times i have military folks on here and we get to hear their story of where they, where they were at what they were doing but i mean dude to hear sit here with a national champion that where you have this historical record of what you were thinking at that time i think that's pretty awesome and um thanks for joining us for sure and and you know thanks for setting a great example um for wrestlers, for fighters, but just for people as well. Uh, you know, your post-fight interview is pretty awesome. I, you don't see too many people with that attitude. And uh, I think we're all looking forward to watching you chase and win your next championship, UFC. And also, thank you for bringing forth the next generation of American fighters. Let's do Let's it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Love it. Right on. And with that, Bo Nickel has left the building. Echo Charles. Yes. Up here at camp, we just doing some jujitsu, some wrestling. Mm-hmm. Bo Nickel doesn't train, doesn't wrestle very much. Only 100 matches a year when he's six years old. Yeah. <laughs> Only 93% of his waking hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was awesome to have him on and very cool. Definitely. And we talked a lot offline. We have to do another podcast where we talk a little bit more of his training protocols. Yeah. I apologize. You know, like we just didn't get into, I, we got, we touched on it in the podcast, but like after the podcast, when we were sitting around, we kind of like started talking about it and then we just started going deep. Yeah. So we'll come back. He'll come back. We'll, we'll do a better job. We'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. But one thing we definitely talked about is the need for fuel. Yep. Choco fuel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're training, you're wrestling, you're doing jujitsu, you're lifting, you're getting after it. You can't get after it without fuel. Did, if you didn't put fuel in your car, where are you going? Nowhere. You're not going You're nowhere. Not going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to go somewhere. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Get your fuel. Get Jocko Fuel. Go to JockoFuel.com. Get the hydrate. Get the greens. I've had greens at camp. Yeah. I brought them. Yeah. Well, they did a good job in supplying. Them. They did supply them as well. Yeah. I brought some as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a good way. It's a good thing to have in the breakfast area time. <laughs> You know, because you know, I don't. You know, I don't like to eat a lot of breakfast. Usually, I don't eat any breakfast. Yeah, I'm with you. But having that little, nice little greens package, yeah, it's, it's kind of a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Another me. thing, hydrate. Jocko mm. hydrate. Have you had Jocko hydrate? Every day. <laughs> yeah. This has been clutch. Yeah. Because let's face it, when you're training jujitsu, it's summertime. You're going to sweat. The yeah. wintertime, of course, you're in a wrestling room. You're in a jiu-jitsu room. It's going to be hot in there, too. You're going to be sweating. Yeah. Get Jocko Hydrate. It's basically what you sweat out, it puts back into you. Yeah. That's what happens. You yeah. sweat out minerals, and it replenishes them. It also has vitamins there. It's yeah. got like 100, 100 grams of, uh, of vitamin C. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 100 milligrams of vitamin C. Not 100 grams. 100 milligrams of vitamin C. The electrolytes and, mm-hmm. you know. For, and all the electrolytes that you need. Yeah, and that's a big deal. So... The, you know how like, okay, so basically electrolytes, and then look, I don't want to go deep into the scientific elements of this mm-hmm. whole thing. The bro science elements? No, 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 no. It's the real one. The okay. real one that okay. I looked up. But but in a nutshell, this is a good way to even kind of look at it, right? Is to, electrolytes are like the electrical signals, you know, mm-hmm. that or the chemicals that bring the electrical signals like through, you know, to your muscles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So you got to, you sweat all that stuff out. And then, so, because of course I'm going to be like, hey, why don't you just, want to just drink water? It's no problem. But when you don't have those electrolytes, like after go, okay, so we did this workout. Me, Pete, Roberts, Jason Galipo. Mm-hmm. 
known for CrossFit mm. scenarios, obviously. Well, he's a champion CrossFit. Yeah. So we did my workout. We did his workout and his workout. He, he didn't make it up. He did it before. But his workout was bench press 135 pounds for 100 reps. For time. For time. So you yeah. could get it. The, you know, he makes it a competition. Mm-hmm. So you could get it the fastest. So, and then we did some weird ab thing that I never did before, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, you ever got an ab cramp? Like an abdominal yeah, yeah, cramp? Yeah. Yeah. Normally, I get, no, honestly, normally I get, I'll tell you when I get abdominal cramps. Train jujitsu, worked out, ran, trained jujitsu, hard training jujitsu, get home. I'm like laying in my bed and like go to like turn on the light yeah. and it just like cramp. Yeah. So that's my normal. So I don't know what you're about to tell me. No, but after the ab thing, you yeah. know how like, and the thing is like when you're done the ab thing, you really feel it. You're like, oh, this is some ab stuff my abs mm. not used to. Mm. And then I turned a certain way, like right after, yeah. before I even stood up, I turned a certain <laughs> way and like it flexed. And, Whoa, you know? and you're just laying there and you got to, you got to like mentally like get past it or whatever. <laughs> anyway, so it's like, so all in one, the whole thing, my workout, yeah. usually I just do my workout. I'm done. Yeah. So I did yeah. my workout, freaking the bench press challenge, which right. I lost by the way, next time I'll win. Which is embarrassing. Yes. Give let's it a, face it. Well, yeah. Let's face it. I lost. Yes. But Pete won. And hey, look, we congratulate we congr- him. Pete. Good for Pete. You know, good for Pete. I really hope he's happy with it. But either he way. He seemed real happy about it. Very- and then i mean he's pretty pumped right yes. he beat you yes and let's face it beating you would be cool it would be cool yes it would be cool to beat you yeah. but he also beat jason kalipa and that's very and cool. jason kalipa is a, a legit professional athlete yeah and know? he made up the challenge that's or he threw it out that's interesting yeah you know he was mad dude <laughs> he's gonna want some revenge yeah and and rightly so because even i wanted re- revenge damn but the point is oh and then and i didn't eat anything that day by the Bro, way is this even fair do we need to edit this out i feel bad I know. I wasn't even part of this, but I feel bad. It's all over. I feel Instagram. good for Pete. Oh, it's, oh, it's already Instagram. out on the oh, ground. Yeah. Holy, holy. Been released. Results are out. Oh, Results yeah. Are out. People re- know. We're just recapping right is now. Is it trending on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Either way. So I go straight from there to training. And I train like, look, did I train 10 rounds? No. Mm-hmm. But I did two workouts, mine and Jason Kalipa's, and then trained. I think it was like four or five rounds. Mm-hmm. Guess what I had right after? Hydrate. Yeah, hydrate. Yeah. Yes. Get hydrate. Oh, yeah. Good as new. Good as no new. I had cramps. some doms. No I, more cramps. No cramps, for sure. All right. So, Jocko Fuel, hydrate. Greens, go. We've been drinking go like it's going out of style out here. Yeah. Because you're out here. Let's face it. When you train this much in a day, you're going to be, you're going to need a little go. Mm-hmm. And and another thing, there's not a lot of sleeping going on. People are staying up late. People are, you know. Sure. Even the jujitsu class ends at like nine, but then somebody's got a question, somebody wants to catch another round, somebody yeah. wants to do this, well, somebody wants to work a guard pass. All oh, of a yeah. sudden, you're like a little bit hungry, so you go to the chow hall, oh, some people are explaining something, oh, you met a guy that you met last year, he's wanting to talk about this oh, thing, yeah. and you go, oh yeah, how's that? Next thing you know, you get back d- down to your cabin, mm-hmm. and it's freaking 11, you know, 38. And you got to brush your teeth and you got to take sure. your super grill, and you got to take your, coal, your, <laughs> your, your joint warfare. Yeah. And you got to take your time more. Then you got to brush your teeth. Floss. Sure. Now it's 12.07. Alarm clock's going off in four hours. (laughs) In your case. (laughs) In my case. (laughs) Anyways, you're going to need some go. Get it. Jockofuel.com. Mulk. How many mulks have you been having a day Uh, here? Average. Yeah, like three. Like three, sometimes four. I've been having like three, four a day. Pre-meal is what I've been doing. And then I think, oh, I just, you know, have one before I go down there. And then I'll have one post-meal. I eat two meals a day. That's four. So there you go. Mulk. 
Get what you need. Uh, you can get this stuff at Huawei. You can get Vitamin Shop, GNC, Military Commissaries, AFES, Hannaford, Dash Stores, Wakefern, ShopRite, HEB, Meyer. By the way, like these stores are starting to bring in the full line. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Meyer full line. Uh, HEB's been t- t- just getting after it. Um, Harris Teeter's just brought in every. So you're going to see everything. So when you see it, get it. You know, you want to be stronger. You want to be smarter. You want to be faster. You want to be better. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sell this stuff at your school, you want to sell this stuff at your school. You got a school. You got you teach kids uh, educational stuff. Maybe you teach them jujitsu. Maybe you teach them CrossFit. Maybe you teach them strength and conditioning. Maybe you teach them powerlifting. Maybe you teach them archery. I don't know what you're teaching people. But if you're teaching people and you want to bring this stuff into your school, email jfsales at jockofuel.com. Set up a wholesale account. That's what we're doing. Anyways, jockofuel.com. Get some. Also, Origin USA. Hey, we're out here. Yeah. We're here. Currently. You know? Origin, Jiu-Jitsu Immersion Camp, brought to you by Origin. Yeah. Origin. Uh, uh, American-made apparel started with geese mm-hmm. and still has geese. Mm-hmm. The best geese, actually. Hands down. Brother, that new one, that black yeah. one. Oh, I'll see you. Very like nice. the fashion side see, of that I one. Know. I know what's going on. Unless all made in America, right here. Mm-hmm. Right here from the cotton all the way to the ghee, but not just geese. Mm-hmm. Jeans. Got some jeans on, th- uh, boots. on, that, on that one, yeah. Uh, jeans, boots, they got some good jackets. The kilo, mm. the heavy, like those, because yeah. I've been seeing those around. I'm like, oh yeah. man, some that I've never seen before. Hey, let me just put this out there. It's the end of August currently. Yeah. You need a hoodie for this winter, for this fall. You need a hoodie. Get yourself an American made hoodie. Don't buy a, a hoodie that's made by communists. Buy a, buy a hoodie that's made by Americans. That's my recommendation. It'll be better for you, it'll be better for the environment. It'll be better for the economy. It'll be better for freedom. It'll just be better. Get a kilo hoodie. OriginUSA.com. Go get some. Yeah, it's cool. They got something for everybody, by the way. You into hunting, hunt gear. You into jujitsu, jujitsu gear. You into just regular, normal stuff, working out, freaking RTX gear. Yeah, RTX. The whole, the whole, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. OriginUSA.com. Check it out. Check. Also, Jocko's store called Jocko's store. This is the uh, you know the the guys that are kind of in the game. Discipline equals freedom. Representing in the game on the path, if you will, so you can get your stuff. Um, You know, you like the the idea of good. Something bad happens, mm-hmm. good will come out of it. Hey, mm-hmm. You can represent that as well. Um, also, we have the Shirt Locker, which is a new shirt every month, a subscription scenario. I've seen a lot of people representing the Shirt Locker. Oh, yeah, up here. Yeah. It's interesting because I have this one on right now, the Toxic mm-hmm. Productivity, and a lot of people haven't seen it mm-hmm. in multiple. They said, ooh, that's a good shirt. Yeah. When yes. you say multiple, what are we talking about? In Four my people? Case, uh, my Seven estimate, people? Seven to ten people. Okay, that's multiple. Oh, yeah. for sure. And yeah, it's only in like what, like the period that I seen a bunch of people, which is only like maybe one and a half hours. Yeah. All right. Good. It's a lot. Shirt Locker. Yes, called the Shirt Locker. It's on JockoStore.com. Hey, check out PrimalBeef.com, where we got Sean Glass selling steak. We're selling steak. Oh yeah. We got badass steak. We got burgers. Like, just get it. Great grass-fed grain and fruit. Finished. Yeah. Finished with fruit. You want a cow that was eating apples, right? <laughs> apples. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? I know, I eating agree. a grape, eating a pear. I'm starting to sound like Theo Vaughn over here. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so check it out. Primalbeef.com. See what you get. See what you can get into. You need some steak. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Also, subscribe to Jocko Underground. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to Origin USA YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to Jocko Fuel YouTube channel. 
Psychological Warfare, flipsidecanvas.com, by cool stuff to hang on your wall by Dakota Meyer. I've written a bunch of books. You know what they are. Get the books. I've signed a bunch of books while up here. You know how many people come up to me and say, hey, well, thank you for writing Leadership Strategy and Tactics? How many? Oh, dang. Plenty? Uh, multiple, we'll say. <laughs> multiple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe in this it. case, in this case, it's more than thirty. Yeah, no, I believe it because I witnessed. It's more than thirty. Times. I mean, I've say I've signed yeah. at least. Oh, mm, I probably signed seventy books. I've signed three here. There you go, and you didn't even write a single book, nope, or just, a single real word in any of those. No, nope, just made the cover. <laughs> just made the cover. <laughs> oh wait, which one did you make the cover for? Uh, leadership strategy. Oh dang, I forgot about that. Well, how much credit do you take for that? Honestly, none until right now. No, but I mean, I. I give you a crappy PowerPoint that like basically has the design on it. Yes. And then you clean it up and put it in the proper format. Yes. And you want credit for that. Also known as making the cover. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Bro, I'm taking it where I can get it over here. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So you can get a book. Echo Charles made the cover. (laughs) You know, a lot of people think that's the most important thing. Well, you know, we do what we can over here. Anyways, bunch of books. You know what they are. Go get them. Hey, also warrior kid books. I signed all kinds of warrior kids. Kids are playing jujitsu now. They're playing that jujitsu because they got the warrior kid books. They're doing pull-ups. They're getting A's in their math classes. They're on the path. Mm-hmm. Get the warrior kid books with people that you know. You, you're thinking like, well, how good they can, can they be? I'm telling you, there's no way that this many people come up and talk to me about how these books help their kids if they're not freaking outstanding. So check out the way of the warrior kid books. Check out About Face by Hackworth. I signed one of those while we were here. Mm-hmm. No, two, two of those while we're here. And extreme ownership, dichotomy, leadership, leadership strategy, and tactics. Discipline, because I sign a lot of discipline equals freedom up here. Mm. Probably 14 of those, estimated, 17 maybe. Anyways, that's what we're doing. Um, Bunch of books, get them. Eslamfront.com, if you have issues, you want to improve the leadership inside your organization, go to eslamfront.com. You can come to one of our events. We can come to you. You can do our online training, which is available at extremeownership.com, where you can take online courses. You know, you can you can learn jujitsu online, which is a real physical thing, but you can also learn to lead. So check out extremeownership.com. Learn about life. Learn about home life. Learn about leading your family. Learn about leading your boss. Learn about leadership, extremeownership.com. And if you want to help service members active and retired, you want to help their families, you want to help Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got an amazing charity organization. And if you want to donate or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. Also, check out heroesandhorses.org. That is Micah Fink. He's got a charity where he takes people up into the wilderness. I mean, deep into the wilderness. And they go in rivers, cold rivers. They ride horseback. They eat meat. They have no junk food. They have no cell phones. They get out there. They get lost. And they get found. Heroesandhorses.org. Also, thanks to Bo Nickel for joining us. And just just a great guy, as you could tell. We wish him the best. And uh, we will enjoy watching him in pursuit of ufc gold and representing america and american fighters so thanks once again to Bo. if you want to connect with us by the way Bo is bonickel.com he's at instagram at no bickle one 
He's on Twitter at No Bickle. He's on Facebook at Bo Nickel. Of course, that goes out at Coach Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. Just be careful because there's an algorithm on there. And you might accidentally follow somebody that you didn't mean to. And now all of a sudden you're following random people. So just be careful. Yeah, um, watch out. <laughs> just watch out for that one. Then what do you do? What do you do when you accidentally follow someone? I, I don't know, man. Dude, that happened to me two times. Uh-huh. So I'm following, and you know, I'm not going to say the name, obviously, but I just I just let it ride, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And if if thankfully great people you know normal mm. people whatever so but yeah if they got annoying i don't know maybe unfollow mute. i don't even know, don't know where the follow button is yeah i don't even know where it is but yeah. somehow i must have hit it yeah and so now we're following here this is how it because i did that i reversed engineered it mm-hmm. and if you click on like your alerts or whatever you know the heart with the, the alerts mm-hmm. it'll it'll say like this guy did this mm-hmm. and then but if you're not following it'll say follow like oh, it'll have like a question mark so you can easily uh accidentally press follow yes check okay, okay. we'll just watch out because your algorithm will have people that you may end up following by accident <laughs> uh all right well like i said thanks to bo for coming out thanks to our military the members are of our military who represent America around the world and who keep us safe and protect our way of life. And also thanks to our police, law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders. Thank you for keeping us safe and protecting us here at home. And to everyone else out there, let's just think about those J7, the J Robinson, wrestler, coach, soldier, ranger, Vietnam veteran. His seven fundamentals that he would teach to young wrestlers. Discipline, dedication, sacrifice, hard work, responsibility, accountability, and of course, service. And if you're doing those things, if you're doing those things, you can do anything. And you can definitely stay on the path. And until next time, this is Echo. And Jocko, out.